Hey, this is Chuck Dixon, and you're listening to Signal of Doom. Well, you know, for me, the action is the juice. I'm in. Hello and welcome to Signal of Doom, episode 259. I'm Dave and I'm here with Richard. Rich, how are you going? Good, buddy. Just a bit, uh, bit tired this week, a bit ragged. Yeah. But, uh, You've been working 12-hour days, man, 12-hour days from you. You know, you're not working 9 to 5, you're working like 9 to 9. <laughs> not every day, but I've only had one day off this week, so. Really? I've got three more, three more to go before my next day off, so. Jeez, so you're, you're really starting to struggle. You know, I, you know what? You've worked so hard that at some point this week, if you want me to take you to lunch, I can. So we can, you know, maybe that'll be a reward for you, Rich, at some point. You know, you, know, you can have a lunch. How would you like that? Thanks, Dave. <laughs> well, you, know, you have been working hard. Now, I do want to say, um, firstly, welcome to all the listeners. Um, we had the Jerry Conway interview uh, earlier this week. Um, it was fantastic. Uh, Jerry was great, uh, actually, Rich, and um, we got two hours with him, and he was just an absolute pleasure to, to speak to, and I mean, such a depth of experience and knowledge, and we, the conversation, as always, um, I find, you know, the unexpected twists can sometimes be the best parts, uh, but I was Lois as well, and I got stories and stuff out of him, like, you know, I was asking all kinds of questions. You can imagine me, Rich, just firing away with the questions. And um, so I do want to say welcome to any new listeners um, who I know we always get a surge in traffic from our interviews. Uh, stick around. Uh, we've got um, another interview with James DiMatteis coming up at the start of April. And uh, and Chuck Dixon's going to come back at the start of May. And I've got other people as well in the pipeline, but but those two are confirmed. And so, yeah, we're going to have a good time. It'll be the second time with James DiMatteis and we've got plenty of questions for him. And I know Rich is ready to go. Richie, you could, you could, feels like you could do a series with James DiMatteis with some of the stuff you had. He's just done so much. And he has. You know, uh, we didn't even, the, like the first talk we, we had was great, but we mm. didn't even get through, I think half the, <laughs> half the questions we oh, had. Yeah. So we were, we definitely got some bank for the next. We do, uh, we do, we do for sure. And the same with Chuck as well. I mean, you know, I can always talk to Chuck. Uh, about so much stuff. Like these guys, uh, all the three names that we've mentioned um, have had such long and prolific careers. You know, really, they're not they're not sort of your fly-by-nighters who come in and out of comics, you know, on a whim. These guys have made forged full careers since, you know, uh, in Jerry Conway's case, since like the very late 60s, you know, start of the 70s. James DiMatteis, the 70s. I mean, Chuck broke through in the 80s. Um, you know, we're in we're in 2022. Like these guys are still going, which is impressive. I think you know, like to keep on plowing on. And I got, and I won't ruin the interview for anyone. I know no response, but I did get to mention Jake and the Fat Man. There were some Jake and the Fat Man questions at the end, Rich. You know, I enjoy that show. <laughs> a good show, a good show. great show, yeah. And uh, so I, I really focused in like a laser uh, and asked him some questions about that. Now. Jerry gave me a really... We were just chatting uh, about shows in general. Um, he gave me a show recommendation, Route 66. Um, similar to The Fugitive in concept, uh, in terms of like... Um, in The Fugitive, Dr. Richard Kimball is on the run. And if you've seen the movie, you know the story. He's on the run. And in the TV show, he goes from, you know, situation to situation. And so each show 
is essentially like a little mini drama that he crashes in on. Like, you know, so it's different people, you know, you can imagine it, Rich, all the different situations and stuff, all the different little issues and stuff. He, he plunges the character into it, changes week after week because the guy's on the run. And he said Route 66 is also another very famous one of that genre. So I've actually got my hands on the first couple of seasons of Route 66 since the conversation, and I'm going to check it out because, uh, you know me, Rich, I love my classic shows. Um Classic shows are the best shows. I agree. Now, I do want to mention thank you to all our Patreons and all our listeners in general. Now, if you're a Signal listener and you want to help the show, you think, how can I help Dave and the Signal Empire? Listen, it's as simple as on Patreon. If you can give as little as a dollar, you know, really honestly, uh, it does help. It goes towards show running costs. So, Signal, uh, sorry, patreon.com slash Signal of Doom. Uh, is our Patreon feed there. And Dean and I are about to record a new Cinema of Doom, which is Patreon exclusive for Boondock Saints. Um, that's going to come up shortly. And, yeah, we just have a good time. And, like, um, you know, I'm keen to expand the Patreon stuff. Uh, we get a few more members and stuff. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put in some additional rewards and all that kind of thing. Um, but it's much appreciated. But also, if you're just a regular listener, and I understand money's tight, it's a tough economy, uh, COVID, floods, fire, etc., um, if you could do, if you could rate us on iTunes or Spotify, uh, that does help a lot. Um, you know, just go in there, give us five stars and move on with your life. Um, that does help as well. So these are two things you can do to help the signal. Now, Richard, what have you been doing in the last week other than working to the bone? Has that been the real, has that been the real story this week? Pretty much it. Yeah. I mean, well, other than, uh, working and then just, working. just cause I'm so tired, just, I've, uh, just been working and gymming, and that's it. Jesus. Well, unless you've been here. I did. Well, although I did watch something fascinating. I've, I've watched the Xbox documentary. Okay. What's it? What, on, okay. on the YouTube channel. Okay. I think it's called Power On. And what, it basically what? it's a six it's a six part documentary, and it just goes through the twenty one years of of Xbox from the inception. Mm. You know, so it just goes through the time. So it covers the original Xbox, mm. and then they. They go through the history of the 360, and they even go through the the history of the Xbox One, mm. you know, and the whole debacle with the TV, 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 which became a bit of a meme sort of thing and all that. So right. uh, it was very fascinating. And I mean, one of the things I learned in it, which I, I did not know, is that uh, it was actually Xbox that um, approached Netflix and said, "Hey, mm. do you want to bring some of your library to digital on on the Xbox um, app?" Right, because before that, it was all just the Netflix was still doing the discs. Now, really? it's not to say they never would have gone streaming, but that certainly um, expedited mm. uh, them going to that streaming because, yeah, That's it was Xbox that approached them and said, "Hey, we want to, you know, because at this time they want to get content, music, movies, yeah. stuff, and all that on on the Xbox platform." And they basically approached them and said, "Hey, do you want to bring some of your your library to the digital?" Cool, sort of thing, and. I was like, wow, that is actually fascinating. I did not know that. So, so what's this on? It's on YouTube, yeah? Yeah, it's on the YouTube channel. On the um, YouTube channel. Okay. Uh, the Xbox YouTube. It's called Power On, I think it is. I'd and like to check that out. It's, especially the early years, honestly. Yeah. like Because, you know, when the Xbox came out like 20 years ago, you know, there wasn't really internet, you know. And so mm. a lot of that stuff you don't know about. You know mm. what I mean? Like uh, the, the behind the scenes, how they convinced uh uh, uh, Bill Gates and and whatnot to to actually get into making mm. consoles and and just the things that they went through and so it's just it's really fascinating. Uh, it was very interesting. It was very illuminating. 
I think I would really enjoy that. Have did you have? I had an original Xbox, and I actually got one quite early, and I was a bit disappointed in it. Mine was a little bit glitchy, and I it was, and I did have it, but I, I got rid of it to someone's. I someone bought it off me for a cheap price, but then I got into the 360 heavily, uh, and that's where I became a genuine X. But I did actually have an original Xbox. Did you have one? Yeah, yeah. I currently below my TV. I have all four generations of Xbox. Really? Do you? Yeah, hmm. I got the well, one, the three, well, the original, the three sixty, the one, and now the X. It's impressive, Rich. I mean, you know, it just goes to show you're not a not a guy to you know make if you make any mistakes. You got the whole the whole family there. <laughs> well, it's the only one way I have all of it because I mean I've always been a game a gamer, and hmm. you know um, I still have my original Nintendo, but I never really got into like the NES and the Super NES and all that sort of stuff. So I don't really have any of that. I do have the Wii, but I don't have the Wii U or anything like that. So that's very sporadic. I've got the GameCube. Mm. You know, PlayStation is the same. You know, um, I've got the PlayStation 2. I've got the PlayStation 3, but I don't have any of the other. Mm. So this is the only one where I literally, and you know, because not because there's that many generations, but it's Mm. the only one where I've got all the generations just sitting there. So give us the review. How has the new Xbox been? Have you had a chance to have any goes on it at all? I'm... I'm loving the lack of load times, really. Like honestly, yeah. like I was playing, um, uh, I was playing Borderlands Three on the one, and yeah, oh, you sit there forever waiting for shit to load. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, like you're literally staring at the screen for like minute, minute and a half. Really, wait for the shit to load. Um, and well, it's, I mean, it's quite a big game. Yeah, you know? I mean, it has. I think it's even got more gigabytes than um, Elden Ring. Wow. So it's a very large game, but when I moved it across to the X, and then I did the um, the upgrade, yeah, the better version, and load time is like ten seconds. Yeah, okay. You, you switch it on, and before I'm not joking. Like, so when the game actually loads, you have Claptrap, which is a character, and he he comes across the screen, right? Yeah. And you play it on the one, and God, he just keeps going across the screen, going across the screen. You put it on the X, he goes across the screen once, and bang, the game's loaded. Right. Okay. Yeah, so... So, yeah, the, the yeah. load times are fantastic. Have you had a chance to play Elden Ring, or has it all been Borderlands 3? I haven't even had that much play, time to play that much Borderlands yeah. 3, because... You've had a tough uh, week. I've only had the one day off. <laughs> You've had a um, tough week, man, it sounds like to me. Do you get two days off this week, coming up? Next week, hopefully, yes. Yeah, okay, cool. All right. As long as nothing goes wrong. As long as nothing goes wrong, exactly. Um, now, we do have a date, if people are wondering, for uh, J.M. Dimitrius. I, I, now, this could change, I mean, but I, I think it's April 10. Um, and so, you know, that's when we'll record it, and uh, that's on a weekend, and uh, we'll put it up. I'll probably put it up that night. But, I mean, that could change. You never know. Like, you've got to stay flexible when you're dealing with people who are over in the U.S. and, you know, very busy people. But... um. So far, that's the that's the plan. Now, um, have you ever heard of the fantasy writer Richard Gene Wolfe? He's a very famous, like legendary name. Have you heard of this name? Yeah, I've don't really. I've never really read anything by him. Well, I started. I, I got a recommendation. It was one of those weird. I, I listened to a podcast Shane plays, and they were talking about it and how. He was mentioned by Gary Gygax, the creator of D&D, as one of the primary inspirations for the original D&D, uh, his writing and his stories. like, And I had heard the name because he's one of those grandmasters, you know what I mean? So I knew the name, but I'd never read anything. But anyway, Tales of the Dying Earth is the book that um, – it's a collection of books, but 
basically that's the one that Gary Gygax points to, saying this is literally was was the if people want to know what the primary um, influence on early D and D was, it was this. And um, so I went and got the the book, and it is fantastic. Like I mean, it's basically tales of dying earth. The dying earth, it's like set in the far, 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 far future. And the Earth is dying, and the sun is massively red, and like it's fantasy, a touch of a sci-fi, really cool stuff, big concepts, and and fun as well, like very fun, and um, you know, it's it's in that kind of Howard tradition, um, and all that kind of stuff, Robert E. Howard, and all that kind of stuff, but but into the far future, and uh, very cool. So I've been really enjoying that, and um, yeah, it's it, you know, sometimes it's such a pleasure when you get a you get a recommendation to an author that you haven't ever read before and then you dip into it and like, oh, this is really my cup of tea, you know? Like, it's 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 almost like a gift in a way, you know? That's why it's always good. That's why, you know, when, when people say, oh, you know, I only read, like, modern stuff or I only read, I'm like, you do yourself such a disservice because, totally. I mean, yeah. whether it be music, movies, TV shows, books, like... It's just such a well. Well, why would you say that anyway? Like, because, you know, like, if something, like, not everything, like, there's plenty of crap in the past, but, I mean, this is, when you you look into it, like, there's a reason this guy is very highly regarded, you know what I mean? It wasn't a fluke that he had, like, a, you know, 60-long-year career in sci-fi fantasy kind of thing. So I'm inclined to give those guys a chance. And the thing with them is sometimes they're quite archaic, uh, in their style, but there's still something there. But um, no, I mean it's it's great stuff. I, I'm loving it. Like it's um, if you've ever read any David Gemmell, you can certainly see some influences there. Um, you can see influences on fantasy in general. I mean, this, the first book was written in 1950, but he, but the collection of books was still coming out into the 80s. Like this guy kept writing until the very late 90s, so he was around for a long time. I think he passed away early 2000s, but I think his last book was like 98, but I mean, some of, so the books are scattered, like 1950, 1968, 1970, 1980, you know what I mean? Like, it's over a period of time. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's good, it's good stuff, man, so, yeah, no, so, actually, he, yeah. actually, he died 2019. 2019, wow, did he really last that long? Okay, he would have been pretty mm. old, I don't know how old, but he would have been pretty old, for sure. Um, well, born, born 1931, Okay. He passed away in 2019, so yeah, he was, uh, what's that, like 80 or something? So the first book, 1950, he wasn't even 20, and it's a very good book, you know? That's the one I'm reading. Uh, it's cool stuff. Like, I'd recommend it to, if you're a lover of fantasy, and especially like a kind of like, dark fantasy is maybe not the right word, but kind of uh, kind of like, uh, you know, thieves. It, it, apparently with D&D, he was a big inspiration on like the thief classes and all that kind of stuff like the and the magic system as well from from D is very much from him um it, to the extent that some of the spell names are literally the same in fact you know um so it's quite a direct homage and gary gygax made no um he didn't hide it he he and the apparently uh he was quite he was quite happy uh what what am i saying i'm saying gene wolf it's jack vance i don't know why i'm like god I'm such an idiot. Uh, Jack Vance, the guy I'm talking about, Gene Wolfe is a later writer who was very influenced by him uh, and wrote sci-fi himself. And I ordered a couple of his books uh, this this week, which came in. And I haven't read them yet, like Order of the New Sun and stuff. You might have heard of them, Rich. They're like 80s, 90s books. 
Um, he was very influenced by Jack Vance. I'm talking about Jack Vance. So strike the Gene Wolfe from the record, replace it with Jack Vance. He wrote Tales of the Dying Earth. Um, and he passed away in 2013. Yes, so yes. He so he was... He went, oh, my God, he was almost... He was what? He was almost 100. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he's been he's around a long time. Um, yeah, so anyway, look, sorry for getting that confused, kids. That was confusing, that story. Jack Vance is the, is the guy who wrote Tales of the Dying Earth. Gene Wolfe is a later writer who was very influenced by him, along with other things, who also wrote some very good books uh, in the 80s and 90s. But um, Jack Vance is the guy that I'm currently in. I also found, I don't know if you know, do you use Audible, Rich? Um, yes. Okay, so my Audible account, I I always, I, I've been meaning to get uh, Stephen King's The Stand for ages. And so anyway, I went into my Audible account and I realised, I, I, I ordered this book. I won't even name and shame the, the book because it's not the book's fault. I bought a book on... Um, like Kindle, just regular Kindle to read. That's actually really interesting. It's about the Mongols. And anyway, I, um, at the same time, bought it on um, Audible. And anyway, the the narrator was just terrible. Like, like I actually found it hard to, A, understand her, but also her flow was terrible. So it was very hard to follow... What was ha- what she was describing? Because her, just basically, she she was just a terrible narration. It was awful to the point where I was I was like, I don't want this. I, I'm happy to read the book. The book's interesting, but I don't want this audible thing. So I found out, and this is a tip for listeners: you can actually return audible books within a time period, and I forget what that time period is. It might be six months. But anyway, you can return them and get it on another credit. And I actually had such... I've never done this before, but I had such problems with it that um, I returned it and I used my credit to get Stephen King's The Stand, which I'm now... Which I was already well into and, um, and, and you know, I'm, I'm about a third of the way through. So... Well, Dave, here's, here's another tip for you. Mm. Yes. Listen to a demo first. Yeah, I should have. You know what? And I never do. Oh, but the I've beauty never... of it is they have, they have a sample. So when, you, when uh. you're shopping there, if there's a book you're interested in, the, I, the first thing I always do yeah. is I get the little play sample. It's just below it. There's a yeah. little play button that says sample. And you can listen to uh, a few paragraphs of the person reading. Yep. And so you can get a feel of, or you can go, oh, fuck, no, that voice is annoying. Or Well, you, you know, know what? I that, that is a great suggestion because... I I really had a problem. Like it wasn't a slight problem, and I tried to persist. And I was like, I, I just can't do it. I, I it was it's quite a dense book anyway. Like um, and I often enjoy reading. This is the thing. I I quite often enjoy. I like my nonfiction, especially history and political history. Um, so ancient history and like political stuff is is you know uh is my interests. But um, yeah, I just couldn't do it. And I was just like, you know what? And I'm going to do that from now on. And I think I haven't been burnt before. That's the thing. I've, I've always actually, I usually enjoy the narrator, like quite a lot, um, the different narrations they have and stuff. So I've never really been burnt before. But this was this was, this was was a bad example to the point where I almost wanted to do a review and say how poor it was. And I, I tried to and I couldn't work out how to do it. So I just gave up. But um, yeah, so. Reading a book is an art form. Like, Yes, you can't just stick anyone in front of a mic and say, "Right, just read the book," because mm. 
you've, you've got to have skill in narration. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not oh, just yeah. you're not just reading words off a page. You have to. Make oh no, no, no! It's I. I actually think it's a. Attention. I I think it's a very hard gig. You know, like I I think it would be hard and um and no the the people who do it well um I I have a lot of praise for. Unfortunately, this woman was it was appalling, frankly. So. You know that's a tip, um, and Richard's also given us another tip, which we you know listen to the uh, sample first, which I will do from now on. Rich, um, Stephen King gets a lot of good narrators. I'll tell you what, the guy who does the stand, I just love. I love his voice, you know, and I, I like a voice that I can relax, but it makes sense. Like I, you know, sometimes when I'm listening to Audible um, books audio books, um, sometimes my attention wanders, and I have to go back every now and then, you know, like because you know, this, this happens, but, but, um, I also fall asleep a lot because I listen to the one I'm falling asleep, which is, I, I should just give up because like, honestly, it's taken me so long to get through the stand because so many times I've fallen asleep. I've made it a third of the way through now though. So I've made some decent progress, but, um, you know, sometimes I think, anyway, you know, what books I thoroughly enjoyed, um, uh, audible was actually the Harry Potter books. Really? Okay. Mm. Yeah. Does she do that herself? Does JK Rowling do that? Or she gets someone else to do it. No, so there was two different versions, right? Uh-huh. There's uh, ones were done by Stephen Fry. Oh yeah, which I didn't like. I, I didn't enjoy those ones. I enjoyed the ones that were done by um, the guy. I know his last name's Dale. Uh-huh. I find Stephen Fry yeah. slightly annoying. His voice, like he's okay, but he can get annoying. It, yeah, it depends on what it is that he's doing. Uh, Jim Dale. Jim Dale. Yeah. I really enjoyed his uh, his um, take. Harry Potter. Um, audio readings those were really good i i actually enjoyed those audiobooks more than the movies <laughs> right i'm going to give you the name of the guy who does the stand because i i am a big fan of this guy's work um yeah but but you're right you are right it is definitely well it's like rich with your you're the big voice actor expert i mean like that it, it is an art form in itself to, to know how to do it kind of thing you know like Certainly not. Oh yeah, 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 and 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 we'll 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 actually talk about that when we get to the Halo review because right. that that actually comes into um, uh, something I want to talk about in the Halo. Okay, fair enough. All right, well, 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 I'll find the name of the guy. I can't find it right now, but um, we'll, we'll move on. Now, um, there was a that was hilarious, Rich. Though I was doing a full review of Jack Vance, but getting his name wrong. I mean, <laughs> Jack Vance's family are just like turning. <laughs> Dave, not the first time. Won't be the last. Time. No, it won't be exactly. At least, at least I corrected myself. Uh, that was, and that was a miracle in itself that I managed to do that. Now, Rich, have you seen this five-minute Batman Joker scene from the from the Batman movie? There's a whole scene where Batman goes to the um, Arkham and talks to the Joker, and you get a full face reveal of the Joker. I watched it today. Um, shout out to Ronald Acosta, who who said to me that it was a thing. I didn't realise it was a thing. It's it's a proper release. It's not a bootleg. It's a proper release from Warner's. Um, did you get a chance to see it, Rich, and see what the you know the Joker looks like? The, the less I watch of more of that Batman, the better. Okay, well, it wasn't too bad. I mean, it was it was kind of like he's heavily uh, disfigured and. His his hand is burnt, and he says to he says to Batman, he's like, "Oh, anniversary of, of our meeting." So they've met before, and uh, like, so Batman wants to get his insights on the Riddler, and he kind of gives some you know fairly generic insights to the Riddler. Um, but then he says, "The thing is, maybe you don't want to catch him. Maybe you think he's right that that all the people he's killing deserve it." Um, 
it's creepy and it's pretty good, like, to be honest. Like, out of all the, you know, three hours we sat through, I actually think it would have been worth uh, worth having it in the movie. Um, now, I don't know what the canon stature is there. Like, What, what, what are they calling it? Silence of the Batman? Well, it is a little like that, actually. Very, very good pickup, Rich. I mean, sometimes you're very quick, man, you know. Um, he plays it... Uh, Quite not as crazy as um, Heath Ledger, but then at the end it gets it gets a bit nutty, uh, you know. And he's doing the cackle. I I said to Ronald, I said um, it'd be cool if um, if basically they uh, put him in makeup for, for 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 the sequel. So you 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 had that face and that craziness, and then put the white makeup and all that stuff on. I reckon that would look really cool. I want to really see the Joker. Um, looking like that, so you know that's my my, my takeaway. And we were also talking a lot about um, we we're also talking a lot about um, Two Face and potentially Two Face being in it. That'd be cool, you know. Like, mm. oh come on, man! Well, why the fuck are you, you mm, about Two Face? He's one of my original classic villains. I love Two Face, man. With the coin, yeah, bring it on, man. I would very much love to see them do a proper mm. Mr. Freeze. Yeah, Victor Freeze would be pretty good. Yeah, I agree. But is he big enough to last a whole movie? Oh, maybe you could have Victor Freeze with Two-Face, you know? No, the thing, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like, especially because of Batman the Animated um, Series, series yeah. like, I mean, if you could just do a movie, and it doesn't have to be a fucking three-hour movie, please. Heart of Ice, just, that, that episode, man. Heart of yeah, Ice. Yeah, if, if, if you could do that yeah. as a movie, man, like, that would be such a good movie because you feel for that guy. Like, seriously. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's, like, one of the best, the best like, Batman stories oh, yes, yeah, of his yeah. villains ever told because yes. you actually feel for him. You know what I mean? I agree, and you yeah. can re- and, and you can really delve into that more. I mean, that was just a little 20-minute episode. Yeah, you're Imagine right. if you yeah. give yourself like an hour and a half, an hour and forty-five minutes mm. to to really delve into the, the the character and and you know and have Batman come to terms with like like he's not really a like well he's what obsessed he's with doing, Nora, bad, yeah. But, but you know, but he, you feel for him. But I, I would love to see that. Like we've had Two Face like twice now. Oh, but not much. That's funny though, twice. Um, but not much. We had him terribly in Batman Forever. We didn't even get his origin, and he was the minor player in um. In uh, the Dark Knight, you know we. You... What I'm saying, but but Freeze has never had his moment. Is my point. Like we've all we've had is that terrible Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, yes. Uh, Mr. Freeze. You from the, the, You know, like I, I just want to see him. Die Ice Age. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing. I don't think here's, and this is why when you know, like when they go, oh, the Joker wear makeup. I don't want Joker wearing makeup. Why? I want Joker. No, I want Joker to fall in a fucking vat of acid. And his skin is is uh, burnt white. I don't want oh, okay. like a guy that just paints his face white. I want him to be a guy. But that in the can, can I for the defence? Firstly, I, I hear what you're saying, and I agree. The Victor Freeze and that episode is one of the strongest episodes in a very strong series. So I agree with you there. Um, I remember Jim Perro's Joker in Death in the Family. Was basically didn't have makeup and and he looked like the Joker and he put the makeup on. I remember that there was or maybe or did he have skin coloured makeup on? It was one of the two. There are scenes in Death in the Family, you know, where he kills Robin, um, where he's 
where he's without makeup. Do you recall this? Jim Apero doing the art? It looks really weird. So it's like it's like he hasn't got the white skin. So I'm, what I'm what I'm saying is it, maybe there's multiple answers for this, but in the comics, is it canon that falling into the vat gave him the white skin? Because I do recall in Death in the Family. Yes. Well, why then in Death in the Family does he have normal skin? I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's such a thing as retcons and all that, but okay. I mean, don't forget, like, I mean, it, all right, okay. Fair <coughs> also comes to, it, it depends on what um, depends on what canon you're going for. For a long time, mm. remember he was a henchman in like the Red Hood, the Red. That's helmet, true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And and fell into the vat and all that. You know, when they tried to flesh out more of his... that's right. The Killing Joke with Alan Moore. Yeah. Yeah, like more of his backstory and stuff and all that. You know, and that's why they even used that in the the Tim Burton movie. Right, that he fell into the vat. Yes, face, but 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 you know, Jack put Jack Nicholson put the put was putting the the face paint on himself. Remember, because when he when he does the no no no, no, surgery? no he was putting no he was oh. putting normal makeup on him to make himself look normal, not was the he? white. Was he? Remember when uh, when Kim Basinger throws the the acid or the water in his face and he starts screaming, "Is burning, is burning!" Right. Then you see his white face below uh, underneath the. The, like really? the foundation or whatever that he put on. No, his skin is is white. Oh, really? Did let's type this in. Did the Joker have naturally white skin in Batman? In the Batman eighty nine movie? Really, Richard? That's yeah. I don't remember. I I remember a scene where the um. I remember the scene where basically. They're operating on him, and they've operated on him, and his face is like in a massive grin, but his skin is normal color. No, because you don't see him in that. They keep him in uh, shadow. Okay. Well, I think you're right here. In the original Batman directed by Tim Burton, the vat of chemicals Jack fell into was supposed to have permanently bleached his skin white. He then applies fresh color makeup for his day-to-day business dealings, but if it's, it starts to run and smear, if he gets hot or starts sweating, you can see this a few different times. Okay. All right. Yep. Fair enough. Um I, I, um, his skin was stained white by the chemicals he fell into. He started wearing makeup to hide that, but he'd given up trying to hide it by the end of the film. Wow, I, I didn't realize that. How, why then, when they cut to him after the surgery, is his skin the normal color? I don't think it is. I think you're remembering it wrong. I remember that scene mm. is that it was all in black. You know the scene I'm talking yeah. about, where where he's it's straight after yeah. the surgery, and then he looks in the he looks in the mirror. Yeah, but they, and does but they never laughing? show you that. But they never show you that. Yes, they he's, do. You he's see like, it. no, he's in darkness. You don't see his face. Okay. You just see him smash the mirror, and then I think there is a scene where you see his skin. But as you're saying, that must have been after he'd applied the skin makeup. There is a scene where his his normal skin looks it looks like normal skin, but except his face is fixed in a massive smile. And I thought that was just him normally, you know. But I think what you're saying is he's applied the skin makeup to it, which makes sense. That's what everyone's saying here on the fucking internet. So, okay. Well, I just, okay. I, I, look, so. I, have, I haven't watched it in years, but the scene that you're talking about when he's sitting in the chair. No, I know. It's in darkness, yeah. You do not see anything. Yes, there's a later scene, though, not long after that, where you see him and you do see the face and you see... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's when he's applied the... Um, yes, okay. And that's that's the, where I got my misinformation from. And I haven't actually... I, mind you, I saw, the, I saw the movie probably a couple of weeks ago, but I guess I wasn't 100% watching it. Like, it was on. 
All right, well, that's cool. Well, yeah, I mean, in my mind, it, it's always, like, in general, in the comics, in my mind, it's always been that the uh, acid bath is what gave him the disfigurement. Um, but so, it, I mean, what I, like, what I like about the Tim Burton movies, right, mm. is that they're not afraid to admit that these are comic books. Yeah. Right? I mean, they have the penguin that looks like a fucking round penguin. Yeah, he does, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, you've got the Joker who fell into a vat and, and has this white skin and green hair. Like, it's a comic book. Stop running from the fact that it's a comic book. Sure. Like, but, but I don't care. If, they, if they, they put if they put makeup on, that's okay. Like, it's not the end of the world. Like, no, but, I mean, know. that's what they're doing now all the time. Mm. No, ever since after the, the, the Burton stuff, when they've rebooted, right, or yeah. gone back to Batman since... Um, um, since Should Nolan, yeah, it's like no, we can't. No, that's too comic booky. We've got to ground this in reality, and you know. And I'm just like, I don't. I live in reality. I don't need reality. I, can't I just have some well, fun wanna, and wacky characters? I, I want some darkness, man. You know, and that and that's you know, like I want darkness more than anything. I want my Batman to be dark. You know, uh, he's a comic book, and he lives in darkness, and his characters still have bizarre um, true. origin stories. True. True. Anyway, well, whatever, man. Like, but but in terms of this, anyway, you'll, then you'll be unhappy, Rich, because in in this um, scene that they've released, he's massively disfigured. Whether that's via some people are speculating it's self mutilation, or maybe it happened, you know, prior to an incident with Batman, because clearly he's he's they're having an anniversary of when Batman caught him. So anyway, whatever. It sounds like you'll be unhappy, <laughs> basically. If I break it down. The, the, the less I, I know or see of this Batman, the happier I'll be. It's well, unfortunately for the show, Rich, you're going to be sitting down for the whole franchise. So, you know, for as long as we're doing Signal, you'll be reporting on Batman movies, my friend. So. <laughs> so that means I just have to be happy in between. Yeah, between. Yeah, in between, you can be 100% happy. Uh, R.I.P. to Taylor Hawkins, the drummer for the Foo Fighters. You say he died today, Rich, age 50. Um, found dead uh, in his hotel room. I heard about, about it late in the day, yeah. yeah. Found dead in his hotel room. Uh, obviously, speculation, you know, as to cause. Um, you know, is it too early to speculate, Rich? Are we supposed to, like, not speculate? Like what? Look, I mean, I'll be honest with you. It's, it's very difficult when it comes to this stuff because the damage could have been done in his younger days. Could it? Thank you, Richard. Thank you. He was in an induced coma, I recall, sometime in the early 2000s. Um, or maybe it was late 90s, um, you know, drugs, etc. But, I mean, yeah, as you say, you may have damaged his heart, you know, back then in the partying and stuff. So you may have just had a heart yeah, well, attack. I mean, when, yeah, when you're younger and you're, you think you're untouchable and, you're, you know, you're doing drugs and you're doing alcohol and you're doing all sure. sorts of weird shit because you're young and famous and you think you're invincible, that shit can, can come back and go, remember me? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, man. you know. So who knows? I mean, we'll we'll have to wait and find out. But I mean, you know, it's it's it. It sucks. You, you would hope. I mean, you would hope at that age that you kind of have, would have grown out of that. But you never know. Well, you never know. Um, regardless, either way, he's dead. So I mean, does it really matter? Almost, you know, like at that point, it's like, how did he die? Oh my god, how did he die? Like the the crying of the internet. But it's like, well, he's dead. You know. So I mean, if we're shot in his sleep, he's shot in his sleep. At least then he'd have someone to, you know, chase. But um, I guess we'll find out. I mean, we'll, we'll, yeah. they were supposed to play a show. So they were on tour, actually. So they were playing a festival. So, yeah, it's crazy. And uh, I feel sorry for his family. Um, now, <sighs> this is this is kind of funny. 
Uh, Morbius, Richard, where are you on this movie? Will you see this film in cinemas or not? It looked interesting from the trailers, um, and I was very happy with his um, design. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that it's getting... Uh, it's getting hammered pretty, pretty bad, yeah. Pretty bad. Well, from early screenings, but let's be honest, a lot of the times I don't agree with um, yeah. uh, reviewers these days, so True. I'll, probably, I'll probably still check it out. Well, if you want to check it out, I'll go sit with you because. Um, I mean, didn't yeah. didn't the didn't the, the the reviewers also hate the Venom movie or, or, or score so. it pretty low? I think so. I can't remember. Yeah, they did. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. And and they, and they went on to make like almost a billion dollars, didn't it? Yeah, like, the original. Yeah, eight hundred million. I think yeah. uh, uh, north so, of eight hundred. You know, yeah, so that's why I say. I mean, these days I don't really. I mean. I don't know. I don't even know if critics know what they want or. Well, also, it's Morbius. And I was saying this to Ray, like, we're not expecting, you know, Schindler's List kind of thing, you know? Like, it's it's a Morbius well, okay. fucking movie. Yeah, put it this way. Um, I'm looking it up now, right? Um, Venom yeah. had 30% rotten, very uh, rotten, rotten tomatoes, right? Uh-huh. 361 critic reviews, mm-hmm. 30%. 81 audience score. Yeah. Right, that's a massive disconnect. So the fact that it's getting hammered doesn't mean anything. The the Venom movie got hammered. Yeah. yeah. And oh yeah. I, look, I did. I'm not that worried about the fucking critical score on fucking Morbius. Like, I'm just was just asking you if you're interested in seeing it. Like that. That's all. Looks, I, was I think they've nailed the look, which has got me interested. Mm. Like the the brief things when I've seen him be Morbius, I'm like, that actually looks pretty cool. Like, yeah. For, it looks very comic accurate. Yeah. So um, you know, as long as it's got good action and. Good visuals, um, and the story's not like you know, super terrible. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, the Venom story isn't exactly no. complex. No, it's, it's not gonna very, win any, it's not gonna win any Academy yeah, Awards. It, it's very paid by numbers, but you know what? As if you're just a popcorn flick, then I'm not gonna judge you too harshly. If you're exactly. trying to be shitless list, then I'm gonna judge you yeah. a bit more a bit more harsher. But we'll see. We'll see. Exactly. So yeah, so we will check it out. Uh, Richard and I, if you want to, Rich, uh, I did put that offer out there. I didn't hear you accept. I, I said if you want to see it, I'll see it with you. Like uh Dave, I already told you that we're gonna go see it and it'll be my shout. Oh, did you? Oh wow, wait, yeah. I forgot this. Okay, right, okay. Yeah. Wow, wait, yeah, okay then. I, Richard's up in the water. Like... I'm honest. You are, I had you because I've got a terrible memory. I was, I was like, I was com- completely forgotten that comment. You're lucky I never take advantage of that fact. You know? Yeah, you easily could <laughs> with my with my cheddar cheese memory. Um, now Jamie Lee Curtis will officiate her daughter's wedding in World of Warcraft cosplay. Now you're the uh, World of Warcraft aficionado here. She's going to be dressing as Diana Proudmore for the occasion. Is this a character that you're familiar with, Richard? From the yeah, uh, Jada Proudmore has been in Warcraft law since Warcraft 3. Right. So before World of Warcraft. Uh-huh. Um, she was a very good character until <laughs> Blizzard decided to just fuck her completely over and make her character just awful. Um, okay. Is she a baddie but, or a goodie? <sighs> or no, it's hard to say. Well, it's one of those characters that she starts off as a really good guy. Right. Then, then something bad happens, and so then she flips the switch and just goes like completely fucking mental, and oh. you know wants to commit genocide. Oh, you know that's a that's that's a that's a reasonable response. Okay. You know, like with like with Hell Jordan, you know, right? You know, yeah. um, you know, a, a good guy for his entire life saves the world, and 
something devastating happens and he just snaps and becomes a fucking mass murderer. He you know just what I mean? Slips. Like, it happens. It happens to everyone. <laughs> just, yeah, well, wow. That was because that was an awful example of a character flipping Hal Jordan. But anyway, it's cool that, um, and I was reading that it's not the first time that she's done, she's done cosplay and stuff. So she went to one of the, what are they called? BlizzCon or whatever it's called in, as, as uh, one of the characters once. And she went to uh, Street Fighter one as Vega. You remember Vega, the character Vega? Um, mm-hmm. She cosplayed as Vega uh, once before, so I mean, I like it. She's she's got a sense of fun about her, Jamie Lee Curtis. I think you know, like she's having a bit of fun with it, really. Like, and she's obviously also a celebrant if she can officiate her daughter's wedding, which is kind of cool as well. Um, and yeah. it's a it's a cosplay wedding, so it's not like she's the only one who's going to be cosplayed. That would be funny. Oh, that was. would be weird if she was. It, it would be amusing. <laughs> um, yeah, it would be amusing. Now, some Batman news: Supernatural's Misha Collins. Uh, Castiel has been cast as DC's next live-action Two-Face. Um, now, this is this is the Gotham Knight show. Uh, while next to nothing is known about the upcoming show, the initial announcement confirmed the story will take place after the death of Batman. The brief synopsis states the series will follow Bruce Wayne's rebellious adopted son who forges an alliance with the children of the... Oh, the, the children of the Cape Crusaders rogues gallery when they're all framed for his murder. This unlikely team will seemingly step up to prevent their city from descending into chaos and assume the title of the Gotham Knights. It actually sounds terrible. I was just just about to say it sounds awful. (laughs) It does sound... Like, that sounds awful. That sounds like the kind of thing someone's... Kind of spent oh. like five seconds on it. Kind of, yeah, no, kind of no, see you, this. You know what? You know what it sounds like. I think there's a Disney. There's a Disney show, a kids show. Yeah, like a young, like young adult show mm. about the the kids of uh, Disney villains. Right. What's yeah. Fuck. Um, like I remember what it's called. Cruella and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like the kids of like you know Maleficent and right. um, you know, like all, all the different baddies and all that sort of stuff. But yeah. you know, but that's made for kids. I mean, or for young, you know, um, yeah, yeah, teens yeah. or whatever. Yeah. This is what this sounds like to me. Like it sounds like that thing that you would aim at. Like it, from what you've read there, it literally sounds like it aimed at like twelve, thirteen year olds. It does, yeah, it, or even younger. You know, um, yeah, it doesn't sound good. Uh, Misha Collins, though, glad to see he's getting a role after Castiel. So I guess for him it's good. Now, Richard, I want to bring up, uh, and I want you to take us through it, basically Tom King, fresh off the deaths of, let's let's line some stuff up here. Uh, Bane, he killed Bane. I read that issue. He killed Alfred. Uh, he made Wally West a fucking mass murderer. Um, he killed, I believe he killed Adam Strange. Now, Richard, not content with wreaking havoc, he has killed Guy Gardner. Uh, and the how he's killed Guy Gardner is even worse by the fucking human target in this human target book, which I'm really glad I'm not reading now. Um, and basically Ice, who I believe was Guy Gardner's ex, turns Guy Gardner to Ice. <laughs> Ice. And then, um, and then uh, human target whatever his name is, Christopher Chance, punches him and shatters him into pieces. Uh, and Guy Gunn has kind of been an abusive kind of ex during the, you know, course and then, of then And then I think Chase and, and Ice Fuck. Okay, well, yeah. Um, okay, I mean, there's a lot to unpack in this storyline. 
what the fuck do you think about this, man? Because you are the Guy Gardner fan here. I'm out, I'm kind of outraged, and I'm I don't feel as if I'm a huge Guy Gardner fan, but it feels very poor. I don't care. It's it's Tom King. I don't give a fuck yeah. what Tom King does. I mean, I'm just thank God they've stuck him in fucking black label where his shit doesn't matter. So that's why my question is: Will Guy Gardner is he dead in the regular continuity or not? Black label is separate. Okay, Black so label, like its own continuity. It's dude, like it's you want to be you want to be sure about that. That this is the thing, though, man. Like you say that, but I wonder if it'll creep over. I really do. It wouldn't surprise me, frankly. Um, and no, I, because you know, the thing is, that, no, because in the in the proper canon, Gigon is not an abusive boyfriend. Like, sure, it, it, he's not. Like so, unless you're completely changing characters. But they do. Uh, they do. They do completely change characters. That's what I'm saying. They do do that. Hang on. So this is this is according to Black. The imprint publishes prestige original limited series, both canon or otherwise. Yeah, but it's it's it, both canon or otherwise. You don't know. That's the thing. Uh, this is uh, this is otherwise. Okay. All right. Well. All right. Um, I don't know. I think Tom King's lost the plot. I think. Yeah. I was thinking about a. <laughs> When did he have the plot? No. Yeah, I know. But I was thinking about, like, all joking aside, because I have on record liked some Tom King stuff over the years, like, less as it's gone on. Um, but it was it struck me. This storyline, he wanted to have this story, and it just feels like he's inserted characters um, into kind of a pre-planned story. Like, Christopher Chance killing Guy Gardner? Like, Really? You know what I mean? Like, on his worst day, Guy Gardner could clean this fucker up, basically. You know? Like, yeah. it's insulting. Like, when he killed Bane, I was like, really? We're killing Bane? When he killed Alfred, which was in canon, and I am i don't know if Alfred's back yet, but I wasn't happy about that. I, I, I thought that was poor. But, um, I don't know, man. Like, it just feels like... I, I, I don't. I, I, I'll, give, I'll give you another example. So we read that book Rogues this week, right? Yes. That's Black Label. Yeah. That's not. It's not canon. Yeah, I enjoyed that book. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but it's not canon. So I think most. I think. Can I be honest? With you? This is where they stick someone, probably where they're like, "Yeah, listen, you fucked up enough characters. Yeah. We're gonna stick you in Black Label, and then we can, if something turns out to be a good idea, yeah, we can make it canon." And when it's your stupid shit like this, we can just say, "Don't worry, it's black label." Well, I, I'm 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 happy with that. I'm happy with that because, and I'll I'll go further because I don't want it to seem like this is just a I hate King, I hate Tom Kingathon at all. Like I think Tom King has done some good comics. Like the bad has been a lot. He's been poor recently over the last couple of years, but there's some talent there, and some of the stuff's interesting. Um, but oh, I don't think he's great inside a canon universe. I don't no, think he I'll, really gets I'll it. Tell you what, I'll tell you what Tom King's problem is, right? Mm. When, he was, when he was first writing, he was hungry. Yeah. And he wanted to make it. And then when he made it, he started sniffing his own farts right. and thinking that he's smarter than everyone. Oh, he definitely thinks that. He's got a superiority complex, yeah, for sure. You know, he's like he's like the he's yeah, like sure. the M Night Shyamalan of comics. <laughs> a bit you know of a one trick I mean? one trick pony. He's a one trick pony. The only thing he can do is ruin characters. That's his shtick. Mm. Oh yeah, That's I, all he can do. I've 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 got a very arrogant vibe from him. Like he he does seem very arrogant, but a lot of them do. 
unfortunately. You know, like it's, uh, Bendis is the same. Bendis is, you know, incredibly arrogant um, in terms of their, I, I think they forget sometimes that they're in entertainment and you put a product yeah. out there, you know, audiences can dislike it. Bendis took a long time to get there, though. He did. Like, Bendis had been working for years yeah, before no, he, he did. started no, he did. himself. But yeah. Tom King has basically, within five years, oh, yeah. put himself on this master pedestal where he thinks he's the greatest writer on earth because what he's doing is breaking the mold. And it's like, yeah, when you write in a world, in a universe, if you keep breaking the mold, mm. you don't know how to write. Yeah, but right? I don't think you... his themes or uh, nothing he's done is that original. Like... He he comes out of that kind of like like, and I like I hate to compare him to Alan Moore because Alan Moore is like a thousand times the writer, but but like he comes out of that eighties mid eighties sea change in comics, like where it was more adult themes and stuff. Like he he's he's writing for that audience, but I don't feel like he's coming out with anything that original. Like it's not like but, you know. Alan Moore could write in the oh. boundaries. Alan Moore is right. a thousand times the writer. A thousand times look the writer. At, look at Alan Moore's stuff when he worked on like Green Lantern and all that sort of stuff, right? Yeah. He knows when he, he, he's talented enough mm. that he knows what ideas work and what writing is for characters that have preset yeah. parameters. Mm. And then when he wants, when he can go off the leash and all that. Now, the problem is there's no leash for Tom King. No. The okay. man cannot write in in a preset context. He, he just can't do it. He's incapable. And maybe that's why they've shipped him out to um to Black Label. And they got him off Batman where he was doing a lot of damage to their to their biggest brand. And they put him into Batman Catwoman, which is very sort of like, you know, airy fairy kind of fantasy. Yeah, it's sort of saying it's very make believe, like, you know, if you like, you like it. And I don't mind that. I I actually am very supportive of DC doing that because I think it does encourage different takes. And it's quite... Like, for example, we did Rogues this week. I thought it was interesting. I'm not saying it was the greatest comic of all time, but I, I read it and was like, yeah, I'm interested. Yeah, but, but that's why I said I don't care about this. Okay. It's Black Label. I couldn't no. give a shit. Whatever. Let Tom King do whatever the fuck he wants in no. Black Label when okay. he does reading and shit. So, I wonder how many people... I'd love to know... Where's that site, Rich, with the numbers of the comics itself? Because I'd love to know how he's selling. Because I thought he's super cool. Uh, I know Adam the computer loves it, and shout out to Adam. But I thought it was so boring that Supergirl, and that was also Black Label, you know. It's called Comicron, but it's you can't get accurate numbers these days, really, because okay. no, no one releases accurate numbers anymore. So, well, that like, tells me the numbers are bad. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. of course. When 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 people are not releasing accurate numbers, it tells me their numbers are in the toilet. Um, like, it's like when it's like when a streaming service says, "Oh, it was our most watched." Was show. A, yeah. oh, really? How many people watch? No, it was our most watched show. Yeah, yeah, but how many people watch? Dude, it was our most watched show. It's yeah. like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And suddenly they turn to the State Department as if it's like a fucking classified terrorist file. You know, like we can't possibly release numbers. Um, yeah, anyway. So, but like, frankly, fuck Tom King for killing Guy Gardner in such a shit fashion. Like, frankly, honestly. Um, and I just think it's woeful. Um I might ask. I might ask JM what he thinks. I might ask JM what he thinks. Before they stuck him in the black label, the other shit. Now people have to clean up, right? So, so someone else has to to clean up the Batman mess. Someone else has to clean up the Wally West mess. You know what I mean? Like, you just leave so much shit when he when you when you get him on Canon books. That was terrible. What he did to Wally West. That was just awful. Like, I mean, having read a lot of. 
of of Wally West now with um you know flashbacks which I do with Adam the you know the Mark Wade stuff and we're about to hit the Jeff John stuff like that that was just terrible that, I mean that whole Heroes in Crisis thing great artwork but God it was just awful like I, story. I actually I have a I have a theory right the re- I think the reason that they did it to Wally West was to say fuck you to Jeff Johns <laughs> why isn't Jeff Johns well, one of their biggest fucking writers. Yeah, but remember Jeff Jones. Like, yeah, but you see, Jeff Jones has always fought the direction that you know, like yeah, Dandy and all that wanted to take it, right? Yeah, yeah. And when he did Rebirth, right? Because remember, Jeff Jones worked on uh, when he did his Flash Run. That was Wally West, obviously. Yes, yes. And when he did the Rebirth, who, what character did he bring back as like the Hope? Was oh. Wally West? Okay. Right, so the whole... Oh, the, yeah, the yeah, in Rebirth. Yeah. Sorry, in Re- Rebirth. Oh, yeah. I thought you were talking about the Rebirth that he did with Barry Allen. I got confused. Oh, no, 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 not Flash Rebirth, <laughs> but the actual DC Yes, Rebirth. you you are right, you are right, yes. Yeah, you you're know, correct. He, he, the, the, the catalyst for that change of trying to bring hope and, and optimism... Yeah, and, then, and that guy became a mass murderer like two years later or three years later. Yeah, and, and I kind of feel like that's Tom King and, and those guys going, like, let's, you know, this is Jeff, one of Jeff John's favourite characters. You know who You know who I blame? I don't, you know, okay, Tom King's a writer, I get it. He pitches these stories it's his editor uh, his editor is the one and and the and the people above him like they're the ones who tick off on it like at the end of the day tom king got removed from batman because obviously sales were suffering and fans were unhappy and he, he kind of fucked it you know he said he, he started off okay and then he fucked it and he got removed good but um with rebirth what sane editor was like yeah let's make wally west a mass murderer like one of our iconic you know, uh, kind of characters, as you say, the the hope, whatever, but just a cool character, a fun character. And, and that's so hard to walk back. Yes, you can walk it back. It's comic books, but it leaves a stain, you know, on the legacy. And it's kind of like, really, like, if they put that in Black Label and, and like, done that as a what if, I would have had no problem. Because I'm like, as you say with this guy Gardner shit, it's kind of like in the what if land. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of like here's a here's a version of the of of the DCU where they go to therapy, blah blah blah, and shit goes south. And you would have been like, okay, that's okay, that's like in Elseworlds or something. But this putting that stuff in canon um, is damaging. And I think you're right. I think that's why he was removed, and he's been put on prestige series. But I wonder how long it'll last. Like I don't think Supergirl sold that well. Like as it went on, oh, I, you know, I think that was overly long. I, there was no heat on it. Um, this fucking. I'm sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure he killed someone in that book too. I, I didn't read it, but I'm sure he killed, he killed Comet. Uh, I can tell you that much. He killed Comet because <laughs> I wasn't happy about that, and Adam Computer was like, "Fuck Comet." He killed someone else, though. I forget. Adam's read it, and he and there was something else that he did, which I totally forget what happened. But Adam the Computer could um could tell us. I might even text him during the course of this show and, and he can remind me. There was something else he did at the end which Adam really hated, but Adam enjoyed the series. I'll tell you what, he's got more endurance than me because I read two issues of that and I thought it was just like, oh. Someone just, pointed out to me that that, that that Supergirl book was just basically Tom King ripping off True Grit. Yeah, well, True Grit's a lot fucking better. Jesus. Yeah, oh, the I the, did, the I movie. Say, I did say good, yeah. yeah. So... If uh, what because I only read like I think the first two issues of Supergirl, yeah. but someone pointed out in their review <laughs> that funny. basically the, the the story that's been told yeah. is is basically the story of True Grit. So you've got a young girl who finds this you know Supergirl who's kind of like getting drunk and you know is not in a good shape and wants her to help get revenge on people that are killed. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. 
he's basically just he's he's plagiarizing True Grit. Well, fuck him then. If that's the story, if that's true, like I don't know what to tell you. Like they'll do the classic excuse: "Oh, it's an archetypical storyline." Blah blah blah. Yeah, okay, we've all heard that line before. You know, can I say this? If that is true, go watch the John Wayne True Grid. And actually, the remake they did uh, with the Cohen—I think it was the Cohen brothers—wasn't uh, bad either. But go check out the original John Wayne movie with uh, uh, Glenn Campbell and whoever else is in it. It's a great fucking movie. I've got you it on the yeah, it's a great fucking movie. I love that movie so much better than the fucking Supergirl comic. <laughs> like, like, they're just... Di- I know they're different formats, but, like, it's just so much better. Um, what was that? Wasn't that comic cancelled? Which comic? The Supergirl, or was it limited? No, no, it's limited. Like, I, I've heard him I've heard him on Word Balloon. I, I do tune in every now and then, but I, I with him, I, I find it tough. But he was saying how all he's got now are limited series. Like, DC are giving him like limited prestige series, which is probably the right move. Like, if I'm an editor at DC, I actually think that's probably the right move. Assuming his name is still selling units, um, and he struggles, as you say. Like, he's got this, you know, dude... It, He's what I. He's one of these guys who they think they're. They he thinks he's like Alan Moore writing dark mature comics and stuff, and you know he is writing dark comics and everything. But like it's so obvious. Like this killing of I. I, I read the issue and the scenes. The killing of Guy Gardner and even the shit that happens around it, dude. You just like this is just sad. It's it, it's sort of pathetically sad if you know what I mean. Like it's really obvious storytelling is what I'm trying to say. Like it's all very sort of like. Make Guy Gardner the villain, and then you know, let's purposely kill him, and blah blah blah. And you just sort of like, I don't know. It just feels it. it it's kind of like you've said it before. You know, sometimes you've said it before against me, where you say they they take the comic into the gutter a little bit. You know, and I don't mind that sometimes. I, I don't mind that at all. But in terms of these, in terms of how he does this, it's it just comes across as stupid. Like, I don't really believe he's got an axe to grind with Guy Gardner. I think he's picked Guy Gardner almost out of random. You know, he knows that he knows Guy Gardner's rep. He probably read a bit of Guy Gardner back in the 80s, you know, with um, Justice League and all that shit. And then he's just plucked him out and put him inserted in the story. So it's just sort of, it's really obvious casting, if you know what I mean. Like, it's just, I don't see it as that, well, even that well, hard. Guy Gardner was the biggest jerk in the DC universe. No, I know, but everyone knows that who knows DC. But that's what no, I'm saying, no, you know. No, but I'm agreeing with you. So, yeah. yeah, he was just like, oh, I need an absolute jerk. And even though Guy Gardner has not been a fucking massive jerkwad like that for yeah, 20 odd years, yeah. yeah, you know, I need, him, I need to take him back to that so that he fits the story I want to tell. And yeah, I, that's exactly it. And I, and I actually right, feel. I don't care. Like, it's Black Label. Couldn't get you. Yeah. I, I, just wrapping this up, I will say, I think it's more nuanced about when people do Guy Gardner now, and he still is a bit of a jerk, but to insert him into the storyline and incorporate him into the core and part of that group and have some pathos and stuff, like, I think that can be done. I actually think that's a lot harder to write and, you know, better than what he's done here, which is very well, obvious writing, you know? Yeah, I mean, we read the first issue of of, of uh, Human Target, and when it ended in the first issue where it said one of the 
the the the, the JLI characters was like a murder or something. I was like, yeah, I don't really care. I'm out. Yeah, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> no, I. I, I, I this yeah. is Tom King just ruining another character. I'm out. I tell you what, if you want to get good human target, check out check out Peter Milligan's Human Target from like the '90s uh, and early 2000s. I've actually got a copy of it on my shelf. I want to do it on the show soon. Uh, it's really good. It's so much better than this. Uh, same character, but like way better stories. Um, basically, uh, he had two seasons of a show. Rich, you ever catch the show? I did. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good. I had that guy from Boston Legal. Um, that yeah. actor. I don't know what his name is, but he's a good actor. Um, how about this? This is a funny um, piece of news. Terminator Two news. So it's a <laughs> it's news for a movie that came out in nineteen ninety two. Robert Patrick oh. trained had trained so hard that he could catch up with Edward Furlong on his dirt bike. So they actually had to slow it down for Terminator 2. That's crazy. Like, are they talking about him running? Yeah, I mean... Are I they? Mean, I mean, cool, cool story, bro, but I mean... <laughs> if, 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 no, but if Edward Furlong is the guy on the bike, he's the actor, they're not going to be letting him go super fast on the bike, so... yeah. I mean, how fast exactly was Edward going that you were catching up? Like, Well, wouldn't you yeah. speed the bike up? I mean, I, I mean, how fast is this guy possibly running? Like a dirt bike, you know, it doesn't have to be going that fast to beat most runners. I mean, this guy's not Michael Johnson, you know? Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I don't know how fast <laughs> Edward Furlong was going on the... On the <laughs> you know what I mean? Like fucking Ben Johnson on steroids, like, you know, raging out in the 88 Olympics was going pretty fucking are quick. You, are, you, are you really going to risk your teen actor... Your teen heartthrob. ...on... You know, without a helmet on, <laughs> on a dirt bike, like going maximum speed. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it sounds like a cool story, but I mean, it's fun. Yeah, stories are often embellished. So yeah, know, it's fun though. Fun. I do like him. Um, God, he was in something recently we just saw, and every yeah, time it was, Peacemaker. was it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's right. Every like he's one of those weird actors. Every time I see him, I think that's the guy from Terminator. <laughs> I, I I feel bad because he's been in so many things and he's actually quite good. Um, he actually took over, he actually took over in the X Files. Uh, he did. Uh, when, he uh, did when David Duchovny. Um, yeah, he did. I remember. Left. Yeah, briefly left. Yeah. <laughs> he left for like well, didn't David Duchovny? There was kind of like half a season or something where he wasn't in it. There was he was sort of. He might have done a couple of cameos, but there was it was very late in the piece. I remember that. It was I, think, like, I, think it was, I think it was like two seasons. It was, it was, was near it? the end. Of, yeah, of it was the near show. the end of the show. I'm sure he was out for a season or two. Yeah, I think he did some appearances. I, I've researched this myself because I remember the X-Files was really sliding into irrelevancy. And, um, and actually, Robert Patrick was good. Yeah, well, this was the time when I think David Duchovny was uh, doing more movies. Yes, it was. And so basically what they did was they wrote it into the show that he went missing. Right, like, yeah, you're right. Like someone abducted him or something. So, um, yeah, but so they still had him come in when he could fit it in. But at that point, uh, he was doing a, a fair few movies. Actually. No, he was. He did like Evolution was one I remember he did at the time. And um, yeah, yeah, no. yeah. And it was funny because, I mean, he went on and did more TV, like Californication and stuff. Like he's had a lot of hits. Um, yeah, no, no. I, I don't think it, I don't I don't think the uh, movie star worked out for him. So no, he did a couple of movies which he was very good in. Um, but yeah, he did. No, but, he did but, he, but he, yeah, he didn't become like you know he didn't no. make that transition from TV to movie and then go on to be like uh, a you know a movie star. So no. he kind of went back to which is nothing wrong with it. I mean you know that's just sometimes that's your lane. 
Yeah, well, exactly. And I think, I mean, I imagine he, he was earning a fortune off uh, X-Files and then he, he did very well with Californication. I mean, that that ran for seasons, you know, probably six seasons. And that was very big for him. Um, he did that one about the Manson murders as well, which I enjoyed. Um, yeah, no, it's done some good stuff. Um, yeah, but Robert Patrick is cool. Now, Richard, are you familiar with Ori Games? Or I'm not sure if that's pronounced right. O-R-I. And uh, Ori Okay. Now, Moon Studios makes them, and there are one of one more game developer that's been accused of um, bad business practices, and um, they're being described as an oppressive place to work. And apparently, they had a no bullshit policy, but unfortunately, that included the founders, like on group text messages and stuff, being inappropriate. Did you have you heard about this storyline, Rich? And I think their games are very dreamy, kind of indie games. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. I am familiar with the games. I have heard this. Um... Sorry. I've heard this story. I haven't. I haven't looked too much into it, but I don't know. As I said, yeah, it's different time and all that as well. I mean, I don't. I'm sorry, but <laughs> if you go and look at game studios in like the 80s and the 90s, all of those are pretty sure. much be considered like um, oppressive workplaces by today's standards. I think a lot of workplaces would be, you know. But but I'm not even just talking about like even like sexual conduct, and I'm just talking about being yelled at, oh, working yeah. fucking ridiculous hours, crunched like. You know, uh, so my, that, that's my, when you say it's a oppressive place to work, are you just feeling like you get yelled at a lot or that you expect to do a lot more work than you want to do? And sure. Like, what, what does oppressive mean? Does it just mean they work me too hard? I think, that, I think it was like the, the familiar thing was crunch and is, what do you call it? Like inappropriate comments a lot and shouting and stuff. And they were, you know. Dude, I'm, I'm sorry, but Bill Gates, there's, if you go watch movies, uh, movies, videos of Bill Gates, there's actual like mm. behind the scenes footage of him screaming at people. Yeah, I know. Like at, at the work and all that. I'm sorry, but like sometimes that's necessary. This like, you know, like. And haven't they done a lot to try to canonize him since then? They tried to clean his image up. Yeah, yeah, but my but 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 he was but his company was successful. Yeah, no, like, I agree. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, like I, I'm sorry, but like I, I'm again, maybe it's because I'm also older as well. I've been yelled at by you know sure. by, by bosses and, and managers and shit and all that when I've done something stupid. I've never once cried into my pillow at night no. because I got yelled, yelled at for doing something stupid. Yeah, so, have you ever have you ever swung a punch in the workplace or anything? That have you? Has it ever come to blows? God, no, no. Damn, I was hoping for some. Uh, that I was just far, me. Bit... I far more self control than that. That that was just Lois looking for a bit of scandal. <laughs> but, but but you know what I mean. Like you, also another thing is I, I'm not saying it's good, but video games is a very different industry, right? It's sure. not it's not a movie, it's not a TV show, whatever. Like you, you can you can film a movie in a month. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's done. Games take years oh, yeah. to make. Oh, and, yeah, no, I get you know, it. And, and, and then there's publishers, there's distributors, there's also then... And it's the, working, the, the like, late night after late night after not late night. You I know. imagine on a ton of, like, fucking coffee and, um, you know, those energy yeah. drinks and all that shit. Like, yeah, yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it's a, it's a and, tough industry. And, the, and also the problem is, is that sometimes the companies go longer, right? And a lot of times the companies do get extensions, but then they miss the extensions. Yeah. And then at some point... The publisher has to turn around and say, you promise us a game, we want the game, and yeah. then they have to crunch to get it out in the window that they were promised, otherwise they're not going to get paid. Yeah. 
So, I mean, it's just that's just the industry. You're dealing with technology and programming and stuff. So, I'm not saying it's right, but I'm also saying like toughen up a little bit. If I agree, you know what I mean. Like, I, I yeah. don't know. Like, as I said, like mind it's, you, it's mind you, world, sexual man. harassment and no, that, I, but that's why I said I don't. I, when I, when they say oppressive. Yeah, I mean, what, what, what are you mean? saying that the, that the two owners went around and sexually I mean, harassed dude, every single dude, female employee? In, like, all, in all fairness, in all fairness, early in my career, I worked at a few places that I would describe as very oppressive and very unpleasant. Uh, in you know, in my own personal career, nothing to do with Signal. Um, and I and I was young, I was fresh out of uni. You know what I mean? Like my, I didn't have like, and I was like, wow, like this is a terrible uh, workplace, and yet. You know, you had no option but to put up and shut up and, and get your work done. But, but like, looking at it now, I'm like, that was everything that was wrong 20 years ago with how they were doing things. And you could see that it was a combination of a long time. Like, the people who were running it were, I'm sure they were under pressure, but the way that they were treating their staff was just awful. Um, yeah, but but that's know. my point. When when people, when I hear these stories, I, there's no context. Mm. Yeah. It's such vague things of what they're talking about. Like, I, I have no interest in that. Tell sure. me what it is. Tell me if they're mismanaging, if they fucking funneling funds, you know what well, I mean? You're talking, if about, throwing... you're talking about my stories? Or... No, I'm talking about these stories oh, where they right, say, okay. oh, it's a, it's a horrible place to work. What does that mean? Yeah. Yeah, well, I agree. Like, I tell know. me what tell me what you mean, yeah. and if you say, "Oh, they're terrible," they don't pay people. You know, they make sure. you work long hours. They don't pay you overtime, or yeah. you know, like they go and throw parties while we're like. Then I'm like, "Oh, okay, yeah, that's shitty. That's terrible. That's mm. like that's not a fucking great place to work." But if you just come in and say, "Oh, it's oppressive," yeah. what does that mean? Does it mean you just very, got yelled at? Very easy to. Um... To, to throw those words out there but as i say in my own career i i can recall and this is this is certainly not my current employer and it's not my last few employees i'm talking about early on late 90s into the very early 2000s so more than 20 years ago uh yeah some some tough workplaces that were that that, that basically were made very tough by very poor and and frankly abusive management and just made it just made life difficult for everyone and you wonder why they did it partly i think is they were under a lot of pressure themselves that's that's often a big factor oh, every business know. wants to to be successful and stay afloat i mean yeah. there's there's always stress there's always pressure yeah. on on everything but that's and no excuse the, you know i have pressure now i manage staff and and i have pressure you know you know what i mean like there's pr pressure comes with the job like it, okay, there's, so, there's pressure. You know? So what? So what? What do you, what do you do when an employee that continuously fucks up and makes the same mistakes? What, what what do you do at some point? Do you just keep talking nicely to them, or do you basically say, "Get the fuck out"? Eventually, you're done. You're fired. Go yeah, home. There's a there's procedures and stuff. Like I mean, I don't want to go into it like in in depth, but there are procedures to go through with that kind of thing. But firstly, you try to help them. That's the first thing. And but then no, I'm I'm old school, Rich. If if someone is continually not uh how can i say not um fulfilling their obligations and you know fulfilling their role no i believe the you know and if and you also get and this isn't people i've managed but you i've seen this in workplaces toxic people who are dragging not just themselves down but other people and and kind of poisoning culture uh, the best place for them is to remove them from the company like I'm sorry. Like they, they yeah, so you know that's that's a big factor for me, and and I've I've not had to do it myself with my own stuff, but I've seen it happen, and I've seen 
companies, uh, departments get turned around by the removal of really toxic work um, people, you know, and employees. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. As I said, I don't know. I I, I come I, I come from a different country. I come from a different time. Like mm. like. I just have a thicker skin. For you like tough like love. That. It's it, it's a delicate balance. Like there's a, there's a room for tough love. Don't get me wrong. There's a, there's a there's room for. Look, I'll be I'll be honest. In, in my career, I've a couple of times I've had a bit of tough love shown at me when I wasn't you know at my best for you know multiple reasons, and it helped me, uh, and it was done well. I mean, this, 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 that's what's a nuanced conversation. Like, it's all about how the people respond to the negative feedback and if some people turn around like really quickly and become so much better and and they're not a problem like it's it's a nuanced conversation yeah again it it depends on the person but i mean usually like when you've got someone who's like a massive like you know let's say he's the manager the owner whatever right and he like is like a, a beast right if you, yeah. if you do something wrong, he fucking just lays into you, right? Sure. That really encourages you to make sure you do your job right mm. and don't fuck up because you don't want to be grilled again. So, I mean, mm. it does have, you know, it can well, be used. I agree. You know, people go, man, I, I, he's really good at his job, but fuck, you piss him off. Man, he comes down your throat. Like, I, and that that does sort of it does also help when you. Kind I of would go say like, this though to that. I would say this as a counter. Look, obviously that happens. I've experienced that, but I think that style of management eventually is self defeating because what happens is people get so scared of making a mistake that they often don't raise valid questions. Communication lines get blurred. And mistakes will happen in the end anyway. That I, no. I, I get it. Ruling by fear is a no, no, strategy, no, but Dave, but, you know. No, no. Punishing mistakes is good, but you also then have to reward. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So punishing mistakes know. is necessary, but but the problem is if if people uh, if people like this is my my view, you know, and how I look at it. I yes, you need to correct and you need to you know help train and all that kind of stuff, but. The strategy where they're going, and I've seen it, like, and you know, I've definitely seen it where people go way too rabid at a mistake. I think sometimes does harm the team because it could be if they're ruling by fear all the time. If it's selective, yeah, like, sure, of course, but there's a balance. This is just my view. I'm a very balanced know, kind of style. But, that, but I've also seen the the opposite where. The, the the managers like uh, soft too soft or yeah. Yeah, yeah you know and then yeah. they go like oh listen you made a mistake here you know it's all right it's all right but you know be be more careful don't do it again no I agree and the person yeah. goes oh, okay cool great and then they make the same fucking mistake and then the person goes hey man you made the mistake again and the person doesn't give a fuck yeah. it's like oh that's cool it's kind of cool I don't give a fuck I keep making yeah. the same mistake and it just keeps no. letting me off so, I mean there yeah, is a balance right. there is there is there is and you you're right and I think it's a you are hundred percent right there and um yeah I mean there's there's a it's a balancing act, and there's all sorts of things that can factor into it. It can be more complicated than it can be more complicated than people making mistakes. It can a lot no. of the stuff can be uh, like the workflow itself, um, but, like but how much said, there is. But these stories is difficult for me because unless I'm there, sure, I don't know. Like because again, everyone's a bit different. I've got a thicker skin. I've been sure. yelled at by people yeah. all my life when it comes to playing sport, when it comes to yeah, yeah, working, yeah. all that sort of shit. So 
I would have to be in it to understand what they're talking about. Because sure, sometimes sure. when I hear people complaining, I just sounds, oh, it sounds like you're just complaining. It just sounds and like... I agree with you. I come from an older school too. And believe you me, I, I caught my fair, my fair share of shouting at times early, many years ago. But enough that it kind of hardens you up and stuff. Like, I don't necessarily think it's all bad. I, I, I guess some parts of it are how I do it now. Um, is how I look at it kind of thing. And it's so long ago that I had those experiences that they're not exactly present in my mind. You know what I mean? Like, um, but no one likes to make errors. But unfortunately, you're right. There are, there are people out there, and I, and I believe they're the wrong people to hire, who the, the kind of like, it doesn't matter if I make a mistake, fuck it, I don't care if I do it again. I, see, I would eventually remove them and just replace them. Like, if, if I get a team member who just doesn't want to buy in at all, you know... I, I I view that as toxic, and I view that as 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 not good, basically. You know. Oh yeah, but as I said, I I, I need to see the environment sure. to to form an actual opinion. I can't just go off yeah. because, as I said, like that, that that person could be right, but they also could be soft. Like I don't know. Yeah, we like, don't know. We don't know. I, 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 I would have games. to. I'd have to see in the. I'd have to, you know, be in there to see what they're oh, you're talking right. about. We'd have to send you overreach as undercover. Maybe you could go undercover at Moon Studios on whatever love fucking to. game. There. I'd, I'd love to. Well, whatever <laughs> bullshit game like these Ori games. Like I've seen it in the middle distance. They're very dreamy, dreamy kind of airy fairy stuff, isn't it? Like they're, 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 well, they're platformers. They like uh, uh, Metroid, you know, Metroidvania type um, uh, okay. uh, action platformers. Right. Okay. So nothing I'll ever play in my life. All right. Um, well, well up, Dave. Dave, <laughs> games you used to play back in the day yeah, before, but, but not now. Be, before you got a, before you got an Xbox or a PlayStation three sixty. <laughs> you know. Like, yeah, but not now, man. That's what I'm saying. Like, hey, some people still like playing those now, man. That's that's yeah, still their jam. I guess that is. Some people like playing Space Invaders. Mind you, if I had Space Invaders on the fucking console, I could see myself playing it every now and then. I used to love Space Invaders, like. That was, if you have to remember your first game, for me, I had an Atari and it was Space Invaders and Pac-Man. I got, I got them together, so they're not really, there wasn't a first, oh, you know, did you? For, for me, I, I still love playing side-scrolling beat-em-ups like uh, Double Dragon. Oh, like, that was and, 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 and Streets of Rage and stuff and all that. Like, even though that's like a very old school type of game. That's gold, know, I mean, man. In the, yeah, in the arcades, I used to play the the, the, the Ninja Turtles, you know, oh, yeah. um, uh, uh, side-scrolling one. I used to play the X-Men yeah. one. Yeah. You know, uh, there was even an Avengers one, uh, Captain Commando. Like, I played all of those. So Did if, you play if Mortal like Kombat? Comes up, Did you play Mortal Kombat in the arcade? Oh, the, the fighting one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because we had, um down in Tassie, uh, this is in the 90s, we had... um. You know, I won't. I, I won't name names. <laughs> We're gonna protect the protect the guilty parties. But um, we had guys who worked at the um video thing that was at the cinemas, like the video. I forget what it was called, but like the video game, you know, section. And um, they were great guys. Like they were fucking legends. And, and they would get the key out, and they'd key us up with like stacks of credits, and we'd just play. <laughs> it was awesome. Nice. Oh, it was like legends as far as I'm concerned. Those guys, like, because we were. Poor students, you know what I mean? Like, we couldn't afford just to pump into this thing, but it's great stuff. Yeah, I mean, before I got a home console, that's where I spent, you know, a, yeah. a, a lot of my time was in the was sure. in the arcade. Love it, love it. Now, Nicholas Cage has paid off all his debts with his video on demand films, and he says he stands by every role. The quote was, I never phoned it in. Um, Doesn't mean that you cared, though. <laughs> that means he didn't phone it in, Rich. So he he, he does. He say, he says he cared about every every performance, and he he committed fully to it. Um, and for him, 
you know. I don't believe that. I, I don't 100% believe it. I believe he believes it. You know what I mean? But I, I put, it, put, put it this way. Since he's paid off his debts, right? Yep. He has been far more selective sure. in the movies that he does. And in fact, the last few movies that he's done, everyone's loved them. Yeah, like, like Pete. They, yeah, uh, and there's another one where he plays himself. The Unbearable Weight of Talent or something I think it's called. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So, you know, I don't believe... Look, I believe him that he didn't phone it in, right? Sure. But I don't believe that he that he cared. Yeah. Like, I don't believe that he was like, man, I fucking love this movie or I really believe in yeah. this movie. But it, I do believe him when he says he didn't phone it in because yeah. you, you never see him like almost like, he's not like Bruce Willis. No. Like Bruce Willis is phoning it in. He that is. That guy's like, we that watched, guy, he's, we he shouldn't watched, even be there. We like, watched a movie, uh, Michelle and myself, uh, last night, I think. Yeah, because it was last night. American Siege and Bruce is... I mean, he, gee, he's barely phoning it in as well. <laughs> like, like, honestly, he seems to be almost asleep at the wheel. You know? Uh, like, he's. it's almost like there's a robot controlling Bruce Willis by remote is how disconnected his performance is. A, a remote with, like, bad Wi-Fi. And, um, yeah, it's a very, like... I wouldn't even say muted because that would giving it more praise than it deserves it's like it's like an impersonation of bruce willis by bruce willis he's barely acting he's he's saying lines but you know so so that's my point i do believe i do believe nicholas cage when he says he didn't phone it in right because all of his roles have pretty much been high energy he's there he's focused but i don't believe him if he says that he cared about every single one or that he believed in every single one because there's no ways he could have because he was just doing it to to pay his debt off. I'm surprised it took him so long to pay his debt off. Like, I mean, how big was oh, interest, his debt? Interest, right? Interest. But how big was the debt? I thought he owed a few I million no to. The, I thought he owed a few million to the to the IRS. Even less. I'm surprised it took him that long. Yeah, but don't forget, like, you, the taxman is still taking all the bit of money that you earn in plus the 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 yeah. shit that you still owe. Yeah, but he, so, he, he's been doing them for a long time. He's been doing video and demand for uh, over a decade. I'm sure there's yeah, but I'm sure there's compounded interest as well. But let's be honest, he wasn't getting paid millions for all the roles he was doing. He was probably getting he's probably getting minimum a million dollars per movie. Minimum, I would say. I don't believe not every movie, no. With some of those low budget movies, there's no way they could have afforded to pay him a million dollars. It's okay. too, too low budget. Well, that I'm would explain them, yeah. it more. That would explain it more. Okay, I, I thought he was getting at least that. But anyway, the point is, eighteen months ago, he's paid it off, and, and he's doing. Uh, he's playing Dracula now. Have you seen the? Have you seen the photo, Rich? I can send you the photo. Um, there's a photo of him. There's a photo of him playing Dracula in the Renfield movie. So Renfield, I want to say, isn't he the? Isn't he his little offsider? Jack Dracula's little offsider. Like I think he is. And there's a movie of him and and Nicolas Cage is playing Dracula in that movie, um, so and it looks really cool. Have you seen the? Have you got the picture there? I, I can text it. To yeah. you. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Nick, yeah. Nick's getting quite the uh, quite the loose uh, chin there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it looks. But really it looks, cool. but, but it looks cool. I like the it makeup. Does look cool. Yeah, it looks really cool. Um, but you know what? I think I think he's having more fun now. Oh, like definitely. I think finally now he can. Sadly, it's a bit when he's older. But yeah. again, people are really enjoying the, the the last couple of movies he's done because those are the ones that I think he's he's finally been able to like choose. Yes, the yes. movies that he does that he does believe in that he thinks are are worth it. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think uh, good luck to him as well because, like, you know, I mean, he dug his own hole, but he got out of it, and it wouldn't have been easy. And I'm sure also and, he's had some pretty hot, heavy outgoings during this period as well. Like, you can't yeah. tell me that but, Nick but, Cage but, in but, Vegas isn't, you know, isn't fucking gambling and partying as well. You know? Yeah, but it's, it is such a shame, though, because, I mean, he was well on his way to being, like, hmm. a top-tier actor, like a, a very, like, a nuanced or, or, you know, like a... Sure. But because of that whole debt shit that he got himself in with the IRS and all that sort of crap, mm. like he he's had to spend almost half of his career mm. just doing these really terrible yeah. movies, yeah, or or mundane movies when he was like, you know, I mean, raising Arizona, um, leaving Las Vegas, uh, leaving Las Vegas. Uh, what was the other one? Snake Eyes. Like yeah. he was doing really good, mo- like really interesting movies. The Rock. Movie, yeah, I I feel oh, bad because yeah. I, I, I would I would love to know what a world looked like where he didn't where mm. he could have chosen all of his roles and and just what what a catalog he could have had then. Mm. I still like a lot of his films, um, yeah, but like yeah, no, I agree. He's it's kind of at least a lost decade. Um, yeah, but the problem is, it's like there's one good movie for every like five shitty ones that he does. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully now he'll pick his projects with more care. I don't think he's ever been disliked. I think with Nick Cage, people have always still liked Nick Cage. And um, and that's why he's had a few movies that um, I'm surprised he couldn't have rehabilitated his career with other studios a bit earlier. And I think he was a good enough actor to have done some stuff that wasn't just this. Oh, you, you know? that's what I said. I think the problem is he was. I I think he was trying to pay off the debt very quickly, right? Right. Or and he took so many bad roles, right? That I think he almost became a kind of a poison. You know what I mean? Like right. I think. When so many people saw him in so many bad yeah, movies, I yeah. think I think some of the studios maybe just soured or like, no, come on, yeah, yeah he used to be good, but have you seen his last five movies? Like, sure. I think that's kind of what happened. Um, yeah, 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 you're right. So I don't know. I mean, it, it, look, it's, I'm glad to see him doing well now. I'm glad he's getting a, a when when I say resurgence, I mean it's not like he hasn't been working, but I mean resurgence hmm. of like just well received movies like yeah, definitely. good movie after good movie after good movie have you seen that really weird one he did um it's kind of got some lovecraft uh, is it is it Ma- not mandy mandy was another w- crazy one uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. i'll find it I, for you there's a uh, michelle put it on and she was like this is like one of the worst movies of all time but it was actually really interesting in in i'll i'll find the movie it was it was because in the last couple of years he has been in some movies that have been pretty good pig is just the latest one that has picked up a bit of critical love, but um, yeah, no, he's done. I'll I'll find it while we're while we're recording. Um, actually, I, there was a thing on um Dixonverse, which is the Chuck Dixon um Facebook group. Um, that were it's out of uh, color out of space. Have you have you have you seen this movie, Rich? It's called Color Out of Space. It is crazy. Um, I, uh, no, I think that's that that came out a couple of years ago, didn't it? Yeah, twenty nineteen. It's based yeah. actually, uh, right? It's actually based on a short story by H.P. Lovecraft. I didn't realize it was actually based on a story by him. It is actually quite interesting. Um, mm. uh, like it is bizarre, but it is interesting. Um, and that was what I enjoyed. See, I, I've sampled a lot of his stuff over the years, and um, yeah. But he made a comment. He said he said basically Disney soured on him. And they wouldn't do National Treasure three, and he said after Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance flopped, and Drive Angry flopped. He yeah. said that's where it all went pear shaped. But I was kind of like, man, who is your agent? Like, I'm so look. It's I guess it's pointless worrying about it now because he has dug himself out of the hole. It's taken him a decade. I hope he doesn't dig himself back in. 
Well, um, hang on, hang on. I'm, just, I'm just looking this up. Uh, what is, uh, this sounds interesting to me because I'm just looking at some of his upcoming movies, you know, the ones that are still in filming yeah. or post-production. Mm. There's a movie called The Old Way. Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays a character called Colton Briggs. Mm-hmm. And it says, the synopsis here, an old gunslinger and his daughter must face the consequences of his past when the son of a man he murdered years ago arrives to take revenge. Yeah, sounds interesting. That's a classic question, you know? Mm. Yeah, for sure. So again, I mean, if I mean, again, if 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 he's you know, if basically, if Pig was like the um, the starting point, like it's almost like Pig is like the new starting point of mm. the the new Nick Cage career. Do you know mm. what I mean? Mm. Like, because after that was the unbearable weight of uh, massive talent, which again was very well received. Mm. Um, you know, you got the retirement. He's got this movie called The Retirement Plan, The Old Way, Butcher's Crossing, and then the Renfield movie, which is filming now. So, mm. you know, I mean. I think this could be the start of something good because he has slowed down his 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 output, probably from like the twenty. Yeah, he he only did two movies in twenty twenty, and two movies in twenty twenty one. So he is definitely now just choosing. Yeah, what he wants to do. What he wants to do because otherwise, before remember he was like pumping out like three, four, oh, five. Oh yeah, no, he was. Yeah. Yeah. No, a lot of them come up on Hulu all the time. Um, Mandy was also a pretty decent one. Pretty interesting one. If you if you haven't seen that, I would recommend Mandy as well. That was a. Psychic. I have seen that. That that's a bizarre, like psychedelic. It is. It is crazy. Drug fueled movie. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I'm just thinking of some interesting ones that you know are, are also a bit nuts. Um, we there was so there's this thing on the. Did Dixon. you? Yeah, sorry, I, go ahead. You, so he he he's in um uh, Spider Man into the Spider Verse. He plays Spider Man Noir. Yeah, I know he is, man. I I loved his performance in that. It was great, and um and I'm kind of hoping he gets into. A Marvel film or something, or a DC movie. I think like, it'd be great. Like he doesn't have to play the lead character, but as a supporting character, I think he'd be fantastic. Well, he wants to play Egghead. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> what about this? Is I'm going to throw something out there to you, which you might hate. Doctor Doom, Nick Cage. Could he do it? I mean, he could as long as he keeps the the helmet on. <laughs> well, I, I just, I just feel like Doctor Doom is so over the top and such a megalomaniac and stuff. I reckon it would be really interesting for Nick Cage to play that role. I, I think he could; it would totally be in his wheelhouse. You know? Uh, I mean, it, I mean, sure. It, dep- it depends on what sort of Doom you're going for, I guess. Well, Doom is often shouting and screaming and carrying on, isn't he? No, but but that's what I mean. If that's the <laughs> Doom you're going for, if you're going for a bit more like eccentric, um, uh, you know, a very over the top like villain. Mm. Well, that's you know, Doom. That then, is Doctor Doom. But yeah, but <laughs> they—they've never really portrayed him like that in really, like uh, in any of the movies. Really, like he's very toned down. Yeah, in but he movies. sucks in the movies, man. I'm talking about in, from the comics. Like, I agree, you know, yeah, but, yeah. but you know, but Shaking I'm just saying. His fist it depends and by the Depends way, on what Marvel wants to do. By the way, uh, I come up with a brand new concept because we're doing. We've got James D. Mateus and Chuck coming up. I'm going to say that we do a little bit more of their content in the lead up to the shows. And I, speaking of Doom, I know Chuck did a three-parter on Doctor Doom in 2000, which I thought would be interesting to slide into the show at some point before we have him on. You like that idea, Rich? He actually Sounds did good. Doom, a three-parter, and he did Doom the Emperor Returns like a couple of years later. I've not read it, but um, apparently it's Doom, Doom coming back to Latveria uh, after Heroes return or a born or something so yeah i thought it'd be interesting you know get chuck dixon on dr doom because i know chuck loves the fantastic four and would always have loved to have had a chance at the fantastic four which he didn't have um but i thought yeah we'll check out his dr doom why not you know why not yeah 
you know, always thinking, man, always, always. Now, so before we move off actors, this was on Dixonverse, and someone asked a really good question. Name three actors that you will watch in a film, and I'm thinking of Nick Cage, Think in a film no matter what the movie is. So you will just watch the actor. You don't care if it's a good or bad movie. You Like, if you got three actors or actresses that you would do that for, I'll, I'll, I'll read out what I wrote, but if you got three, Rich? Like, so you just love the actor or actors, and keep it from any period, that you, that you sort of trust and think, yeah, I'll check the film out. I don't give a shit if it's had bad critical reviews or, or whatever. You know, just out of interest for the actor or actress. Any, no. Rich? No. Nope. Oh, Jesus. Really? No, I don't. Oh. I'm sorry. It's like... Um, oh, my God. It's... I, I don't follow actors. I follow characters. Like, um, I don't, like, I, there's no actor that I'm like, oh, my God, I'll watch them in anything. No, if they're in a movie that I have no interest in seeing, I, do, I won't go watch oh, it. I'm sorry. Gee, I don't care who the actor All right, okay. Well, that's you a lot of fun. Uh, all right, so I, um, I, I did play along. So it wasn't just three. It was what actor or actress almost always guarantees you'll watch a movie no matter how bad good it is. And here were mine. Let me see if these surprise you, Richard. Humphrey Bogart. Frank Sinatra, Al Pacino, Michael Douglas, Clint Eastwood. I thought it was three. No, it was. It, I said three, but it was. It was. I, I named five: Humphrey Bogart, Frank Sinatra, Al Pacino, Michael Douglas, and Clint Eastwood. I think they're fucking solid choices. If you think about it, so notice I went classic. Mm. You know, like, and I and, and I'm sure there've been. I mean, I can't think of too many bad Humphrey Bogart movies, but I'm sure there are some. Um, or ones that aren't as good as others. But Frank Sinatra definitely did some poorer movies, but I'll always watch Frank Sinatra in anything. Uh, Al Pacino, later in his career, did somebody, interesting actor. Michael Douglas, so many hits. And Clint Eastwood. I will happily watch Clint Eastwood in just about anything. Uh, and not to say that every movie is a winner, but so you don't want to play along at all, Rich? You've got nothing at all to give to this? Fun question? It's not, it's, no, it's not that the question not fun or anything. I don't have... Okay. I don't, I don't, I'm probably, I'm sorry. Like, yeah. again, Clint Eastwood. If Clint Eastwood is in a Western, I will watch it. If Clint Eastwood is in a cop movie, I'll watch it. If Clint Eastwood is in a romance movie, I won't watch it. I don't care. Bridges like, of Madison County. No, yeah. I've never watched it. Yeah, I will tell you this. This is a funny story. Okay, I, I get I get your view. Uh, mid-90s, there was a girl that I liked, and um, and it just so happened that, uh, that the hit of the season was Clint Eastwood, I want to say with Meryl Streep in Bridges of Madison County. Uh, obviously, I was a huge Clint fan. Um, I not only went and saw the film with this girl, I bought the book. <laughs> and I, I do not remember the book. I, I actually think it was quite a good book, but it was very, like, uh, romantic um, chick, you know. Like, it was, it was a very heightened book from memory. But um, I took one for the team that day. But Clint was good at the movie. But, yeah, it was so outside of his normal range that it made it interesting to me. Uh, but mostly it was the girl that I liked. It was uh, but, but, Yeah, but as I said, like, I, I, I watch genres of movies. Like, sure. But I don't – if an actor – even if I like that actor in the genre I'm watching, if they go to a genre I'm not interested in, I don't, I don't go follow them. I tell like, you, yeah, I get you. I tell you someone that um, – I've just certainly not seen every film he's been in, but I've watched a lot of Chuck Heston movies, you know, Charles Heston, that – I've only watched because of Chuck Heston. I do follow. Uh, I, I don't mind following actors a bit. Uh, Kirk Douglas uh, is another actor. Michael Douglas's father that I that I enjoy watching in films. Uh, Burt Lancaster. I'm thinking of classic guys. You know, 
Um, okay. I've mind you, I've not seen every fucking movie they've been in, but like, I will certainly watch those movies. You know, I think they're interesting. But to me, movie stars back in the day had more presence, in a way. Uh, like, I know that sounds old fashioned, but I find Kirk Douglas and and Burt Lancaster in their prime were so watchable. You know, and there's one of my favourite movies, Rich. I don't know if you've seen it. I bought the Blu-ray the other day. It's Gunfight at the OK Corral with Burt Lancaster yeah. and um, uh, Kirk Douglas. Kirk Douglas plays Doc Holliday. It's a good movie. Oh yeah, yeah, great movie. Yeah, yeah. I got it. I got it on Blu-ray for nine dollars. Um, nice. I, I saw it there, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll take that up. I'll, I'll, I'll gobble that up." But it's pretty funny. It shows one. Oh man, all my selections like Humphrey Bogart, Frank <laughs> <Like> Sinatra. <laughs> I'm just naming all my phone. I almost wrote Dean Martin, and I was like, I'm not going to, like, just name the whole Rat Pack. Um, yeah, so anyway. <laughs> now, you'll be, I, I think, happy about this, Rich. Black Panther 2 puts a major MCU character into a same-sex relationship um, in Wakanda forever. Do we have any... I, I guarantee it'll be one of the women that's in that, I forget what they're called, but, like, the guard... You know. I'm just literally about to say, it really depends on your definition of major character. <laughs> well, everyone loves Shuri. We were no, I was going to say, but, but she's not a major character. She's not even been in the comics oh, for 10 years. But she's major in the MCU because they made such a big fuss about it. Don't you remember yeah. Shuri's like the greatest character of all time, apparently? Like, Jesus. Wait, wait, wait. How long has Shuri been in the comics? Five years? Five seconds. I don't know. I've never read a comic Did, with her in it. Like, Was she like, in the comics before the movie or only after the movie? No, I think she was around. I, look, I, I've not read it, but I, I believe she'd been around uh, for a while. Um, but, yeah, she wasn't in anything other than Black Panther until that movie broke out and suddenly Shuri was being spammed fucking constantly. Oh, no, okay, so my, my mistake. 2005 she's been in. Yeah, I uh, think uh, Christopher Priest's a, a run. Appearance. I think Christopher Priest's run. Around that but period. I mean, considering that I've never even heard of the character until no. the movie, yeah. I wouldn't. That's why I say it really depends on what this the, the, these people's definition of a major character. Well, in the is MCU, like. she's major. In the in the movies, she's major because they made it. She she hit so big that she's kind of considered major. You know, still a big. Okay, to be fair, it, well, hang on. It says a major character from Black Panther, not MCU. So it's clearly probably someone that's only been in the Black Panther movie. That's so who's your guess? Character. Who's your guess? My guess is Shuri. Um, well, yeah, probably. I mean, that's the only... Or the, only the character, the, the actress that plays Michonne. Um, you know, Michonne from Walking Dead? She's in it as well, playing one of the guards. Maybe her. I don't know. I don't, I don't really care. I'm just, you know... I, yeah, yeah. It'd be nice to <laughs> I put... Don't even, I, except for Shuri and, and uh, T'Challa, I don't know any other characters' names. So I, I know. I uh, what's his name? The guy, Michael B. Jordan, plays him. Is it Ironmonger or something? Something Kill, like that. Kill, Killmonger Kill, or something? Yeah, something yeah. like that. Like, I don't know. Maybe he goes gay, you know. Um, but, uh, look, for, honestly, uh, for LGBT rights, I do hope that it's uh, celebrated on screen and not off screen because that's one thing that I think they need to do off. Like, I'd like to see a scene depicting it inside a Disney movie rather than just writing around it where they talk about inclusion and they don't really show it. I, I, I'd like them to show it. Um, you know, I don't. I don't think you have to worry about that. Well, I'm just. I'm just hoping. I mean, I'm not worried, but I'm just hoping. No, well, I don't. I don't think. Um, I don't think uh, they market Black Panther for the Chinese market. So I think. I think you'll be fine. You'll see it in the in the movie. Exactly. Yeah. Um, now, Halo episode one. Um, Rich, I watched it. 
I thought it was okay without being anything incredible. Uh, I didn't mind it. Um, I did say to you, I, I know the very basics of Halo, but he takes his helmet off. And I, and I said to you, does he ever take his helmet off? Because I don't remember him taking his helmet off in anything I've ever seen. I thought maybe he took it off in some cutscene in the game somewhere. You said he's never taken it off. It's He takes it off here like two-thirds of the way through and it stays off, like Boba Fett style in the Boba Fett show. It stays off. Um, the, 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 apparently they're spending $10 million per episode is, is something I read. The special effects look a bit... They look a bit video game cutscene-y. And I don't mean that in the, possibly the greatest way. Um, it looks a little artificial. It did look cool, like the Halo team and all that. Um, the storyline with the kid was pretty inconsequential. I don't know. They're, they're sort of... I don't know, man. I, he's on the run with the kid at the end of being chased by everybody. I don't know. It was okay. Um, but... I, I feel they try to add too many kind of human interest storylines into what I would prefer just be a military series. Um, but in, I was going to ask you, in the game, Rich, you've played the games, do you play as Master Chief or can you swap with the other team members like the sniper and all that? Oh, so, I mean, if you're talking about... Um, uh, if you're talking about Halo 1, 2, 3, 4, mm. and now Halo Infinite, you only... A single player, you only play as Master Chief. Right. In Halo 2, you could play as the Arbiter, which is one of the aliens if you were doing co-op. Yeah. In Halo 5, there is... you you If you're playing co-op, you can play as different characters because there's squads of four. Right. Um, because uh, Master Chief is being hunted by a character named Locke and his team. And so if you're the main person, you play as Locke, but if one of your friends join you, play you, they'll come in as one of the other Spartans. But you can't switch between... The, the characters, no. So you pretty much either play as Locke or, um, uh, or Master Chief if it's your game. Gotcha. Okay. Um, look, it wasn't terrible, um, but it wasn't... It also wasn't... It was, it, was, it, was, it was in that zone that DMZ was in where you're like, it's, it's okay. Do I want to keep watching? Um, I will keep watching for the show for now. Unlike DMZ, which I'll definitely finish, I'm not sure about this. Um... I don't know. I'll, I'll go to Metacritic to find out what the what the scores are like. Um, but are you going to check it out at all? 60 percent, which isn't terrible. Which isn't which is probably about right. Um, it's not. It's not great. It's mixed reviews then. Um, but you know, it's not that bad. Like, and it is interesting. Like, I, I like a sort of sci-fi military show, but it's a bit sad for you, Rich, because you're the Halo player here. I, I've never played it like ever. Um, yeah, I know. I mean, uh. I think there was some miscommunication um, because yeah. they said to me there was going to be a Halo TV show, but uh, I'm still waiting for it to come out. Like, mm. I don't, I don't know what that was, but um, it wasn't Halo. So I don't you're know not happy. I'm, so I'm still waiting for the, the actual Halo TV show to come out. So you're not happy, basically. No. Uh, I, a lot of the things that have been said by the showrunner have just fucking blown my mind. Actually, yes, how, we've got a, we've got a big how how, yeah. how stupid the people are that are working on this. And mm. one of the one of the lines they said, right? Mm. Uh, this is in regards to the helmet, right? Which is such a fucking cop out. Um, they were like, "Oh, we 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 debated about this really hard, but you know what? We needed the audience to connect with the Master Chief character, and you can't do that if the helmet stays on." I'm like, "Uh, Bullshit. dread." Uh, the Mandalorian, yeah. Uh, v for Vendetta. 
yeah. It's all about the performance, you dumb fuck. Like, yeah. if you've got someone who can do it in the voice, yeah. Like, like, like with the, uh, you know, look, as much as I think uh, Pedro Pascal's a bit of a dingbat, he mm. does a fantastic job yeah. acting with his voice. He does. Yeah. Right? And yes, he does take the helmet off, I think, one small scene in the first season, and then there is two episodes in the second one. But the reason they take it off is because it, it matters. Yeah, when yeah, when yeah. the helmet comes off, it means something. It's part of the story. Yep. For you to say, no, we just took the helmet off because we needed the we needed the viewers to see his face. They couldn't connect with the Master Chief if he was just a helmet. Yes, they could. Mm. Because he does you can do it in the voice. And guess what? When he then does take the helmet off, mm. it can mean something. Very now courage. I'm gonna look at this derpy guy's face. Yeah, it's like, not a know, good face either, frankly. You know, it's no, not good. It's, it's not really good. not. Like, it's I'm really sorry. Like, good. I just... Uh... Not happy. Uh, yeah, no, actually, in fairness, when they took the helmet off, I thought it really it hurt the show. Um, the guy didn't look good. Like, I'm sorry, but, like, it's a visual. If you're going to take Master Chiefs, I don't know anything about Halo, but I assume that he's the ultimate badass. Is he? Listen, you, you, you yes, you're working on this show, right? You've seen the success of The Mandalorian, mm. right? And you've seen the massive complaints that people had with the book of Boba Fett. Yeah. And what was one of the massive complaints? He keeps taking the goddamn helmet off. Every fucking opportunity, you know? You know, it's the same with the Sylvester Stallone Judge Dredd movie. Yeah. Yes, is it a fun romp and all that? Do I see it as an actual Judge Dredd movie? No. No. You know, the character he's playing is not Judge Dredd. It's Sylvester Stallone pretending to be Dredd. But Mm. when you watch the Cole Urban Mm. Dredd movie, that feels like Dredd. Yeah. Not just his performance, but the fact that he commits to keeping yeah. the fucking helmet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 hel- it helps. I agree. It helps. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, a cop out. it's an absolute cop-out uh, to say we had to take the helmet. And also, can I say, it looks so much cooler with the helmet on. Like, it really does. It looks so much cooler when he's got the helmet on. The, the actual Spartans look cool. Now, I've got a question for you, because Michelle and myself, neither of us have played Halo. I'm very vaguely familiar with it. Um, are they, are, are the Spartans, he says in the, in the show that he needs it, like, to survive or something, um, is what I thought he said, but then he took it off. Um, is he, like, an enhanced human, like the Space Marines in, in Warhammer or anything? Uh, yes, so, um, he is an enhanced human, mm. um, he's got shit grafted onto him, and he's had, like, um, um, uh, I don't know if eugenics is the right word, but, like, like gene splicing and all this sort of shit. In fact, they kidnapped again. Here's a here's the great thing, Dave. Uh-huh. You don't have to worry about the games because none of the shit from the games and the law from the games is in this TV show. Right, they've literally yeah. said they've, they've literally said that we've made our own law. Yeah, we've we've completely we don't give a fuck about the games and the game law and yeah. all that crap. We are basically just making our own shit up. Right, right? kind of like uh, Amazon's Lord of the Rings. We're just making shit up now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. don't, so don't worry about it. The fact that you've not played the games, Dave, it's not going to affect you in watching the show because nothing in the show actually pertains to the games. But, mm. yes, uh, he, him and a whole bunch of children, like I think um, like a hundred or something like that, were kidnapped right. by the UNFC um, uh, to be experimented on. And uh-huh. most of them died during the experimentation and right. the training and all that sort of stuff. So not many of them even survived the process. Right. Okay. Um, and the reason they had to be enhanced and all that is because the um, 
the armor that they wear it's called the uh, the uh, the Mjolnir, so uh-huh. same as the um the Thor's hammer uh-huh. uh, uh armor and this shit is so fucking heavy that yeah. a normal human cannot wear it right like just a regular person cannot even move in the fucking thing it'll crush their bones <laughs> so yeah they are they are genetically experimented on and enhanced and they've got cybernetic enhancements and uh, grafting so they are yes they are um enhanced humans okay cool well yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll I'll keep watching for now, but I, I I didn't love it or anything. Like I'm not I'm not here to ra- radically defend the show. Now we did have some comments, Rich, from the showrunner said the team didn't look at the game and instead focused on the characters and the world. Uh, in a slightly strange comment from Stephen Kane, the showrunner, in an interview with Variety, um, he continued after those comments. We didn't talk about the game. We talked about the characters and the world. So I never felt limited by it being a game. The comment stems from a conversation discussing how deep the lore goes in the world of Halo. Variety points out the canon has been developed by not just the games, but novels, comic books, and encyclopedias. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like, no one's asking you to... I don't know. Like, I would have assumed that you could have taken some cues. I think the biggest mistake they made... The only thing I would have done... Uh, from the game, I would have made sure that we hit some basic plot points, but I also wouldn't have taken the helmet off because I think they look so much cooler visually with the helmets on. I think they look really cool. Uh, yeah, you know, so fucking funny about that comment, right? Mm. We didn't look at the games, whatever, but yet you included a stupid, shitty-looking first-person uh, action scene in the in the first twenty minutes, right? You know, when Master Chief is is shooting and he's fighting and crap, yeah. And you know, you remember that stupid first person Doom? You remember the Doom movie with The Rock? Yeah, I do remember it. And when and when it goes into the first person <laughs> mode, like it's a game. Yeah. So we didn't look at the games. We didn't want to be hampered by a game. Oh, but we put in a shitty looking first person mode during the fight scene so that you can feel like it's the game. Fucking idiots, man. Seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's kind of bullshit, man. Like, frankly, um. And also, by the way, I'm just sorry. What is it with these people that go like, "Oh, we want to buy these properties and and make these properties," yeah. but we don't want to be we don't want to be hampered by the fucking law. Yeah, I find that weird. I find that really weird. That's the part that I I never understand either. Like, why why buy Halo and spend all this money on it if you? I would have thought that there's a massive fan base of Halo fans out there, like millions of them. And frankly, I would have been going right down the middle and, and trying to make a big military kind of like, you know, kind of crushing aliens, which I assume is the game, um, storyline of that. And I don't know, like bits of it are okay. It's I don't want to make out that this was like the worst thing I ever saw in my life, but it was it was a bit aggressively mediocre, if you know what I mean. Like it was a little... Oh, yeah, yeah. Like that. that's the problem. It's mediocre. And... I just think it's so stupid because I mean, like Disney gave you the bl- the blueprint of a, a helmeted character. Mm. They literally showed you it can work. Yeah. You don't have to. You don't have to do the whole. Oh, got to take the helmet off so people can see his face. No, you don't, man. Just mm. get a better actor who can act with his voice. That can that can put emotion. And, and, but even then, like Master Chief doesn't have emotion. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. he's the, he's literally a robot. Right. Is he? You know what I mean? No, no. Well, I'm mentally, I mean, mm, right. like they just—they are trained. So again, that's why they—that's why they kidnap kids. He's kind of right? got, his voice isn't bad, actually. The the voice they use in this <clears throat> in this thing isn't too bad. Um, but when he takes the helmet off, it really felt um, a 
bit ordinary. Like well, it was a really yes, better yeah, reveal. Dave, look, I understand why you would say that because, as you've said, you haven't played the games, mm. right? But when you've played all the Halo games, yeah, Master Chief's voice is just so recognizable to you. Yeah, this guy sounds nothing like Master Chief. Nothing. Well, then what I would have done, frankly, is I would have, um, I would have probably not taken the helmet off and just got the same guy to voice it from the games. Well, that could have. Solve the that's, problem. Hey, that's 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 what I would have done. But oh, yeah, that feels like no. But but then you make the decision. Okay, we're not going to take the helmet off. Um, and if we ever do, it's going to be a fucking one-off reveal ever. You know what I mean? Like if you'd made that decision, I think that would have oh, been a good. Decision. Or it's going to mean something. Or when we do take the helmet off, it's going to be a momentous moment. It's yeah, going to be. Yeah. It's going to be earned. It's going to be. You saying. know what yeah. I mean? I don't know. Every time these people that are that are show running this crap, right? Every time I've heard them in an interview or shit that they've said about it, it has just turned me off of the show more and more before it even came out. And I watched half of it, and I just was like, I just, uh, I mean, oh my god, that girl, she basically gets everyone killed mm. in the in in the beginning of the show, right? She does. She everyone does. Around. Everyone does. She she I've doesn't heard. help a single person, right? She just thinks about herself. She even her father, fucking fuck you, dad. Don't give a shit. I'm I'm hiding, you know, whatever. Then when she's when they take on the ship, when Master Chief takes on the ship, then all of a sudden she decides to act all tough. Yeah. And I was like, Are you kidding me? I've just watched you running around screaming and crying and acting like a coward. And now you want to come be oh, I'm tough. I'm an alpha. I think, <sighs> Jesus, man. Like keep a tone going, man. Yeah. No, nah, look. I, I I don't think I as a Halo fan I don't think I could watch the show without like probably like you know getting a brain aneurysm. I was going to say without a heavy amount of drugs. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it's sad for you though because you're a Halo guy and I'm a massive Assassin's Creed fan and I'm really looking forward to that Netflix stuff. But you you've got to be kind of careful what you wish for, don't you? Because this Netflix I never stuff, wished for a Halo show. <laughs> no, okay. Well, look. I don't know. I look. I, I checked out the first episode. It's on Paramount Plus. I, you know, I, I I thought it was like probably a five point five out of ten. You know, if I'm being honest, I don't think it was. I don't think it was quite a six. Um, I will watch a second episode, but and Michelle and I are going to give another episode. But how this, long? This is what I'll say. If you take the Halo name off, it's just a generic sci-fi show. Sure. Sure. But I don't mind a generic sci-fi show sometimes. No, but, but but my point is, for something that's supposed to be as like iconic as Halo, yeah. If this didn't have the Halo show, if you just watched this and yeah. it was called something else, your first thought would just be, eh, it's a very generic yeah. sci-fi show. Sure. Yep. Um, and the effects weren't as good as what I expect. What did you think of the effects before we move on? Because you watched half of it. Some sometimes they look good, uh, and then sometimes they look really bad. I agree, and and I don't see we, when you're spending ten million dollars an episode. I don't think it should be looking bad, you know. Really, I I, I think that that's that's a problem as well in itself. Um, anyway, now we've got some news here about Obi Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader. Now this is going to be interesting to get your reaction, Rich. Obi Wan Kenobi's Darth Vader is different from the movie version. Um, the director, Deborah Chow, explains that the version of the Disney show differs from the one in the Star Wars films. In an interview with Entertainment Weekly, she was asked what viewers could expect, in what kind of Darth Vader viewers could expect in Obi-Wan Kenobi. She explained, for us, it's very similar to Obi-Wan in the character, in the sense that he's in between two trilogies. So he isn't the new hope Vader quite yet. You know what I mean? So we are, with the character in sort of the middle of this period... 
It is still Vader, obviously, but it's a Vader that isn't quite as fully formed as A New Hope, which tells me that they're going to try to have some redemptive moments um, and make him a bit more humanised than the Darth Vader in New Hope, which was just an all-out badass, if you recall. What do you think, Rich? I want to get your take on it as a Star Wars aficionado expert on the show. Do what you want, Disney. Okay. Well, come on, man. You've got to have more than that. Like, they, do, do you want moments with Vader kind of having a bit of compassion and stuff? Because I think that's what it's going to be. There's going to be touches and moments of that. I, I mean, it's uh, sort of interesting. I don't know if it's going to be that. I think it's going to be more they're going to make him still a bit unsure of himself. I don't think they're going to go the route of like, oh, there's still some compassion here. No, I think he's just going to be... Um, they're just going to make it like he's not super like uh, confident in his role, or right. uh, you know, as as um, imposing and commanding uh, as in that. Which is like, I mean, I don't really care about seeing Vader like that. Like, I, I mean, I, I don't said I don't know. I just, there's certain characters I don't need any more new ones than what mm. they already have. Mm. Like, I just. Vader is a really cool fucking imposing metalloid monstrosity, you know, fucking, you know, I don't want to see timid or, you know, unsure or whatever. I just want to see fucking Vader. Like, can I just see Vader? please? Do you want to see, what about this? What about, um, like a Padme flashback, like in the comics where he went back to, uh, wherever it was she came from, and um, you know he goes to the tomb and all that kind of stuff. Would you want to see that? Oh no, no, I hated that. When <laughs> I, we read that, I think we read an issue or two of that. I, I thoroughly did not enjoy that. <laughs> right, I was just asking. I was just like, what about a fight scene between Darth Vader and Obi Wan Kenobi? Ah, uh, we've gone through this before. Not interested. Not interested. I'm very interested, but you're not interested. All right. Well, so I just thought it'd be worth bringing up. And, but but, but uh, this is my issue. When you do stuff, it takes you're taking like things away from the original. Like you're taking a bit of impact away. Mm. You know what I mean? Like when they meet uh, on the Death Star, right? That's like the first meeting in you know since all the shit happened. Mm. And and so their meeting and their final battle it, it means something when you know that the last time they face each other. Obi-Wan left him for dead sure. on Mustafar. Do you know what I mean? And he's it's all this time and now, you know, he's Well, it's all a bit more his... vague. It's all a bit more vague in New Hope. You, you're not 100% sure what exactly happened. No. You know. No, but my point is once you watch the prequels, that's the, that's the feeling well, that's you true. get now, right? Yeah, so true. once you watch the prequels and you watch this, you get this feeling of like this has been brewing for like 20 years. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Nevada now finally is like fucking, fa- you know, got you. You know what I mean? I'm going to get my revenge. I'm the master now. You know what I mean? When He says, when last we met, mm. you were the teacher and I was the apprentice. Since last we met. So who's, let, 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 let's clarify that. Let's clarify that. So who says that? When last we met. Vader. Vader says that to Obi-Wan. Right, when last okay. we met, I was the, uh, yeah. you were the teacher. But and what, I was about, the, what about when they fight again? What, you know, because let's assume they, uh, that's a good point. Because doesn't, doesn't, uh, isn't there some scene where Alec Guinness kind of drifts off a bit and leaves it a bit open? I thought there was some scene where Alec Guinness says something about Vader and kind of drifts off in, in, into, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Darth Vader. You know, you, do you know what I'm talking about? 
I thought there was some scene where he's talking about Vader and he like alludes to the fact they might have fought before. Um, I, I, other than so. okay, well, all right. As I said, that line is in the movie. Since last we met, the, or the last time we met, I was the pupil, you were the teacher. That implies that was the, the in the in the yeah. It, that still stands to reason in the prequels. That was the last time that yes they had an interaction. If you give them interactions now in, in the middle. Yeah, you've lessened that impact of like this is a moment that Vader's been waiting for for twenty years, mm. or eighteen years, or whatever. How many years? Has yeah, been? here we go. Here we go. Now, so I've got the quote here: Darth Vader. This is in New Hope. I've been waiting for you, Obi Wan. We meet again at last. The circle is now complete. When I left you, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. And Obi Wan says, "Only a master of evil, Darth." So that's a line from A New Hope. But again, Disney doesn't fucking care about continuity or or whatever. Oh, it's just whatever on, they I want. Wouldn't mind whatever a challenge. They want. I wouldn't mind a challenge match, man. Come on. Come on, Rich. Have a bit of fun in no, your life. You know? Look, I'm I'm okay. Look, I'm okay with Vader being in it if if the only thing that Obi-Wan's really fighting is the Inquisitors. If mm. you gotta have your, your fight scenes. But I just I don't, I'm sorry. I care about the originals too much to yeah. to keep having them diluted and 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 disrespected and changed because people don't give a fuck about keeping to the what's been said. I, I you know what? It annoyed me when George did it, and it annoys me when Disney does it. I'm very I'm very even with my disappointment. Yeah. I mean, am I just like a shallow of person who just you know? I just want to see them fight, Rich. Am I allowed? But again, like, but again, Dave. The, the, Look, that's why I say it's difficult because if you have two people who have the same passion, mm. they're probably going to see eye to eye. Sure. If you if you don't have as much invested or I like Star Wars as, though, I like Star Wars a no, lot, but not to my level, Dave. No, you you're not. You're not on my level. You, you are the master. I, mean? I am but the apprentice. And, yeah. <laughs> for you, you're just you're just looking at it from a like, oh, Star Wars is cool. That would be cool, and yeah. let's get it. I that's not uh, that's not a, a slam on you. That that's yeah, an yeah. acceptable way to feel mm. if that's your you know if, if that's just your feeling. I, of Star Wars. I'm but also I, interested in seeing how they do it. Like I I I I get what you're saying. It's not that I disagree with you. I I get what you're saying, man. Of course, but I guess I'm just trying to find a way where they can do it. But after watching Boba Fett, I'm not convinced they can do it very well at all because Boba Fett for me was disappointing. You know, Boba Fett kind like, of I, lessened my sort of expectations a bit. I don't know. As I said, I just wish Disney would maybe just focus on new characters because that's where they seem to have a little bit more success mm. than when they handle established characters. Because again, that's what I said. When you watch The Mandalorian, right, whether you think it's great or mediocre or whatever, there's no expectations. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's no 30 years of lore that are, is tied to this character. So you can invest in it. You can have fun with it. You can take it in different directions. It's a big galaxy. You know what I mean? Like you can go think you can go places with it, but leave the established characters alone. If you're yeah. not going to stick to the established yeah. like uh, characters and law and time, then just leave them. They done. You, they, they there, they exist. Just do your own new things. Mm. You are right. I mean, yeah. And, and also you can overuse it too, by going back to the same old beats again and again, uh, in prequels, I, I do think there's a case for saying you start to lessen the original franchise, you know? And also, but that's, here's the thing. They are using nostalgia as a crutch now, yeah. right? They they try to use nostalgia in the in the sequel movies, right? 
by pretty sure. much retelling the same story. Sure. And they realized, oh, no, we fucked, you know, they, they were like, oh, we really fucked the sequel up. We need to lean harder on nostalgia with the original characters. Yes. Yeah. Like, and the original time frame, and, you know, and we yeah. need to go back to the OT and lean on that nostalgia more. And I'm like, mm. you're not learning any lessons, you idiots. No. But also, I think with Boba Fett, they forgot to write a really good show, you know, at the end of the day. I, I think they wrote a very flabby, kind of almost boring at times show, you know? To be fair, they thought Boba Fett could just carry it by himself because it's Boba Fett. You know, well, you, yeah, had, you, had yeah. to work, you had to work harder with the Mandalorian because no one knows who the fucking Mandalorian is, so you better tell yeah. at least somewhat good stories. That disappoints me, though. Investors. That disappoints me because you could, your audience base could... I mean, yeah, it's true. Boba Fett did put a lot of bums on seats, but you could have so much more momentum after that show if it had been a really good show now i would say it was a moderate show you know it wasn't awful but it wasn't anything special i'd probably give it a six out of ten i forget what i gave it uh, at the time but yeah, I, it doesn't it's still the best stuff was they've done yeah yeah but, I mean, the mandalorian yeah. Uh, yeah but it wasn't incredible or anything you know what i mean like it wasn't even very good no. Now, no, no, but that's my you know, point. But, but when you've done so poorly, right, if you compare The Mandalorian to the sequels sure. and to Boba Fett, yeah. it fucking looks a lot better, doesn't it? Yes, for sure, yeah. but I mean, It might, it might not be that much better, but it looks a lot better. Oh, yeah, it's a hell of a lot better than the sequels. So the sequels were just awful, um, unfortunately, which, you know, like, they don't care. They don't listen. You know, the, I think that they, they're in, they're in kind of like kind of like a Disney version of an ivory tower, like a Disney tower. And the only thing they're looking at is box office receipts and Disney Plus subscriptions. That's all they're focusing on. That's all that matters, you know? And at a certain point, yes, for the bottom line, that's that's true. But I worry about momentum. And uh, you can kill a franchise, you know, if you don't have enough momentum from project to project. And not every character in Star Wars has Boba Fett's kind of cool name recognition. Some of this other stuff could just flop. Like, it's not outside the bounds of possibility that Ashoka Katana, or whatever the fucking name is, like, could flop, you know? Like, that's oh, yeah. that's not... Like, that character doesn't have the same inbuilt love, you know? Amongst the hardcore fans, yeah, sure, okay, but not the mass audience. Like, so that's what I'm saying. The, the further you get away from the, the really cool characters, um, then if you're putting poor shows out, they're going to flop, and... But anyway, they, they, you know, like, let them make their fucking mistakes as far as I'm concerned. I, I don't have a lot of sympathy for them because they, they've failed to read their audience uh, at all. Like, they've just... No one who watched that Boba Fett... I don't think anyone wanted that Boba Fett outside of Disney. You know? The nice guy Boba Fett. That was not Boba Fett's appeal in the, you know, many years. Again, if, again, if, if, if this is your first experience of Star Wars, you may enjoy that Boba Fett show because you mm. have no... You know, I, I actually think, you see, this is the problem. When you, you do shows like this with established characters, a normie could enjoy the show mm. because he has no idea about the history of the character. Sure. The problem is, is when you take the established characters, they've got 30 years yeah. of fan base yeah. and, and expectations, and you can't you can't take it, you, you can't just do whatever the hell you want with it. No. It's, it's got, it, Boba Fett has got certain expectations when it comes to the character. Mm. Mm. Yeah, for sure, and, and rightly so, I, I would say. You know, anyway. Um, so that's that, and we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Oh, by the way, so in next week, Moon Knight comes out, um, actually, and Ray at Into the Night got four episode preview because of Into the Night. He got approved by Disney, and he got he got the first four episodes to to watch. 
Um, yeah, last night. So he he and um, like his cohorts, Rebecca, and I'm not sure who the other person is that um, does it. Um, I don't think it's Connor, but it's someone else. Um, they got to watch it, and yeah, I mean, good luck to him. As I, I say, good luck to you, Ray. Like, and, and listeners, you should definitely check out Into the Night. Uh, if you like Marvel in general, I mean, Ray is a fantastic guy. He's been on the show many times. We love him. Um, but yeah, I mean, good, God bless him. Like I said to Ray, I said, out of all the people in the world, you're the one fucking guy championing him on podcasts week after week. You're putting out two episodes a week of Moon Knight content. I mean... I mean, I, my, my, honestly, my fingers are crossed for him because... You know, you, when, when you've got a character that you really love and you just want to see them, you know, in, sure. in a movie yeah. or a TV show, you know what I mean? You you wait for that for most of your life, you know what oh, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I, I, I waited most of my life for a Green Lantern movie. <laughs> Which was a poison chalice, wasn't it, the original Green Exactly. Lantern. So yeah. my, I, my fingers are definitely crossed. I mean, I don't have any horse in the race when it comes to Moon Knight. Sure. But for him, I, I have my fingers crossed that it's something that he can enjoy because there's oh, nothing yeah. like... It's like a gut punch when you've waited something, you know, when I, I've waited, as I said, like 20 years of my life. No, not 20 years. Yeah, 20 years of my time. life. More than 20 years. Like, More than 20 years. No, Are you no. kidding? No, I'm talking about when Green Lantern, the movie came out. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, for 20 years, I was like, man, I'd love to see Green Lantern, blah, blah, blah. And then, uh, you know, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm like that with every single Punisher movie that comes out and show. Um, yeah, but uh, anyway, I just feel for Ray, and I, and look, I I have heard his review. He, he really likes it. Like he he thought it was really good. No spoilers, but uh, he gave it a very positive thumbs up to me. Um, he watched like four episodes last night until like three a.m. Oh. or something. Hopefully, they can keep that momentum. Yes. So anyway, it comes out for regular audiences on Disney Plus next week, and I definitely will watch episode one. Rich, you don't feel you have to watch it if you don't want to, but if you want to watch it, um, we can discuss it. But I will definitely comes out every Wednesday, um, and I will do a weekly review of it because I'll watch it uh, with Michelle. I'm happy. I'm I'm happy to watch it because right, again, I have cool. no. Right, I've cool. got no expectations for the show. You know, right. it's a character that I don't. You know what I mean? If if it yeah, if it yeah, fails, yeah. well, it fails. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. affect me. But right, well, I'm happy to watch it. We've got to come up with a um. Uh, what do you want to call it? Uh, we should come up with a a, a, a sort of like a, a name for the review oh. section. Moon Knight. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, review by Moonlight. What is it? Re- review by Moonlight. Oh, review by Moonlight. Okay. What about Moonlight Serenade? Or, or, or that, or I was going to say, or the Moonlight Review, yeah, Moonlight Serenade. Moon, yeah. Moonlight Serenade, sounds something, better. Something, something with Moonlight in it, I think, yeah. needs to needs to happen. Oh, so Moon Knight Serenade. No, 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 Moonlight. Moonlight, yeah, let's call it Moonlight Serenade, because I think there's a Frank Sinatra song called that, so I can maybe play a bit of that, you know? There is. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Strangers in the night, exchanging glances, strangers in the night, but where are the chances? <laughs> God, I love Frank Sinatra. Can I just say that right mm. now? Well, were you surprised by my list of people I could watch? Not really, no. <laughs> I wasn't. As I was writing it, I was like, this is like the world's most obvious list in history. I was like, I was like, people were mentioning like modern actors. I was like, Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> I was like, fuck you guys. Fuck these modern actors. Let's deal, let's deal back the classics. Um, and then in a later post, I was like, and Chuck Heston. <laughs> Like just in case anyone was like was was wondering, uh, Mark Wade uh, was talking about Superman. I wanted to get your views on his on his. Um, we all know Mark Wade is a massive Superman geek. Is the only word to describe him. He says, "I think my perception of Superman has changed in this way. 
I spent a lot of years believing there was only one true Superman, and I was pretty rigid in how he was interpreted. I've since come to accept that Superman belongs to everyone, and he's flexible enough to withstand multiple interpretations, except ones where he snaps necks. Am I, like, I'm going to be cynical here. I honestly feel this is Mark Wade who's begged and fucking crawled to DC. You know, he was locked out for like 10, 15 years. He's, and he's, he's just saying anything he can to get his hands on this fucking world's finest title. Like, what do you think, Rich? Am I being cynical here? No, I mean, I, I, me personally, I don't, I don't, uh, uh, I, I don't believe Superman is for everyone. Uh, I, don't, I don't believe he belongs to everyone. Oh, no, that's harsh, man. No, Come no, on. No, listen to me. Superman has certain values. Truth, just in the American way. And if you don't, if you don't share some of those values, then Superman isn't for you. He doesn't right. belong to you. But isn't that whole thing about Superman, like he's for everybody and all that, you know, like every no, 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 color, no. you know? No, Superman stands for everyone. Right. But Superman has his own values. Right. Like Superman okay. doesn't belong to everyone. If you hate America, if you hate your fellow man, Superman's not for you. Sure. He doesn't belong to you because sure. that's not. So this whole thing of I like, belongs to everyone. No, he doesn't. Like yeah. Superman. Superman uh, I think he means has... the fans. I think he means the fans, though, is what he more means. You know? Well, I mean, well, again, Superman belongs to anyone who enjoys Superman and uh, uh, his values. Then, yeah, yes, but I, I do believe I, I think he's talking about like darker interpretations of the character and stuff. No, all that see, kind of I, stuff. I, no, I don't. I don't agree with it. But I, I think that's what he's talking about. I think he's talking about like I. I honestly think Mark Wade, in all honesty, is saying whatever it takes for DC to allow him to write Superman because they haven't let him for so many years because he was locked out with Dan Dio for X many years. Yeah, but- you know. No, but hang on, but but he contradicts himself. So he says here he's flexible enough to withstand multiple interpretations, except ones where he snaps his neck. Well, guess what? Except yeah. negates belongs to everyone. Yes. Well, that's that he's doing. You, you, a, he's you, doing you, a callback to his little temper tantrum I, where he left the I, films, I, where he left the cinema where Superman snapped the neck in Man of Steel. I know, but then my point is, you've just negated the belongs to everyone. Yeah, but I think he's, you a, he's doing a jo- he's doing a bit of a joke, man. Like in all fairness, I think it's like his hate. You know, I no, I I think that I think that does bother him because he believes Superman stands yeah. for something. Oh, I, look, I, I'll be honest. I think Mark Wade's a very capable writer, but I also think he's craven and, and he's he's sort of pathetic. In a weird way, like is he a good writer? Oh, yeah, oh, you know? oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, oh, as a human being, Mark Wade is terrible. Well, like, no, I just, I just like he's a good writer. Don't get me wrong. Some of my favorite no, comics no, no. are written by I'm not Mark talking Wade. About as a writer, I'm oh. just talking about him as a human being. But I think, I think there's something wrong with him. Uh, I don't know. I think he's like I don't want to be mean to him because I I feel like I, I just I honestly feel like he's a little bit of like still the nerdy guy in glasses and like I feel a bit sorry for him like I think he takes it too seriously man like honestly like I'm I'm kind of like chill out dude it's a fucking comic it's superman he'll be okay but he I, this whole thing I, I don't I don't see him as nerdy I actually see Mark Wade really? as actually scummy uh, well I mean I, I don't know I, I don't know much about him but I just think he takes it all a bit too seriously. And it's like, dude, Superman's fine. You know, like, he's he's an iconic fucking character. Um, I, I read something on CBR. Fucking, fuck, I hate that site sometimes. They had a thing where they said, here's 10 reasons why John Kent should be the only Superman. And I saw the article and I just wrote in comments, fuck off. <laughs> like, 
I'm like, I'm not going to read your 10 shitty reasons unless you would like me to read them out for the show, Rich. I can read it out for comedy value if you'd like me to read it out. Um, you I, can read out a couple if you like. Yeah, right. Well, I'll, I'll find it while I'm talking. But I know I honestly think with Mark Wade, like, I don't think he really believes it. I think he believes in his one vision. I really do. I don't believe anyone who just kind of flips, you know, they spend a lifetime saying something. And he, for years, he's just talked about Superman is the ideal, the perfect person. He's the inspiration for everything. And then the second, now that he's finally got his little claws in him at last, he's like trying to put out the PR, like, oh, yeah, he's open to multiple interpretations. But I, I don't buy it. I don't buy what Mark Wade's selling, I think. Um, and, you know, I actually don't disagree with him. I, I, I mean, look, I definitely think you can do multiple interpretations of Superman. That's fine. But my favourite one is probably the one Mark Wade will do, which is the more classic. You know, I think he goes for classic, and I think with Superman, classic works. Now, can you do a dark Superman from another dimension or something? Hell yeah! But I, yeah. I, I, I think that's, classic works. That's that's been done too much though. Too no, it, and it, no, it has, it has. I, and but what I'm saying is, I actually agree with Mark Wade if if he really does believe that the classic. You know, Americana kind of Superman is the is the one. I think that is the correct. You know, down the middle, like that late seventies, early eighties Superman. I, I I think you know, and before that is I think the best Superman. And yeah, I but think that's my he, point. Like I, I I do agree in in a sense when he says Superman belongs to everyone, right? Like mm. like Superman can belong to everyone, but I but I disagree if you're like oh. Superman, he belongs to me. He should represent me. I want him to have pink hair, shave side. You know what I mean? Then it's like sure. no, that's not that's not Superman. That he the, the character doesn't belong to you. That you can have him. Yeah, but in maybe how it means. Yeah, but I don't know, man. Like, like, can I say this though as well? And look, this is getting off script. But if you're writing um, fan fiction, um, yeah, and, it's you, and, you, want, you, can do whatever yeah, you, and want. you want that. I mean, I don't mind. Like, you know, if there's an alternate version of Superman where he's got pink hair and shave sides and whatever, I'm like, okay, that's cool. I don't care. Uh, I just think that the mainstream Superman should always be classic. I, I just think yeah. that I think classic is the way to go with Superman. I think when they get away from that, um, they run into problems because I, I think you're, you're diluting the character. Um, that's just that's just my take, but I mean, I don't know. I I, I read it more. He, he was talking about. He's probably also doing the thing where he doesn't he doesn't want to touch that thing where they're like, oh, we've moved him away from America to the world, you know, or whatever it is they've done. You know, I'm no, sure I'm sure it, he's trying it, to distance himself no, from that. Maybe I'm reading it wrong. If he be if he's saying it belongs to everyone, is that like everyone can enjoy Superman? Then yes, I agree with that. Statement. That's what I think he means, man. I I, I didn't I, I I wasn't there. I don't know what he was really talking about, but I think he's also saying whatever he can say just to get his fucking hands on this um on on Superman again. You know, I, I think oh, he's, got a, he's got a he's got a good chance now with uh, Dan Didio not in the company. So yeah, yeah. Well, because they had a real personal you know falling out or whatever. And um, so, yeah, it was, he was kind of banned from it. And, and he was, here we go. I found it. Ten reasons John Kent should be the only Superman. And I famously put it, fuck off, as my comment. Um, I didn't even read it. Let's have a look at the ten reasons, Richard. Having John as Superman means changing the roles of Lois and Clark. I don't know why that's good, but that's apparently one of the reasons. Um, if... DC pulled the trigger on John becoming the only Superman. His parents would have to adapt to new roles as much as he would. 
This would open up all sorts of story potential for fans of the character and launch a new era in their relationship. Hang on, so, so basically he wants Lois and Clark to be Ma and Pa. Yeah, to be Ma and Pa. Like, okay. <laughs> okay. Like, so that's the first reason. Because we never had that. Yeah, that's the first reason. Um, nine, building his own supporting cast will lead to new story potential. I mean, really, is this a reason? Like, that's not much of a reason. Oh, great, so we'll have all these shitty supporting characters for John Ken. Great. Um, here's number eight. But he can have that as being the second Superman. I know, exactly. Um, yeah, he, he could have, like, it's like Superboy in the fucking 90s. He had the Superboy thing, and I'm sure he had his own little ensemble cast. You know, he had it. You know, you, you know what I'm talking about? Like, Superboy, when it was written by, was it Peter David? I don't know who it was who wrote him, but someone wrote him for years. Um, you know, Superboy, sort of before Young Justice, where he had the glasses and all that stuff, you know? Do you remember that? Yeah, he had his own uh, his own cars. He had his own characters. Yeah, exactly. So we, um, we've had that. Yeah. He, he wasn't the only fucking Superman on the block, but he, he did have it. Uh, so far, two bad reasons. Eight, seeing him play off familiar characters will be a lot of fun. Jesus. Like, you can do that now. <laughs> can do that now. Seven. Everything they said so far is you can do oh, now. These are so poor. This shows you just how. They're not really hoping. They're, they're sort of not hoping you'll read it all because they're so bad. Seven, seeing how his powers evolve will be interesting. Jesus. As we try to work out what his powers are. Yeah, okay. He can do that with Superman still in the picture. Yeah, Jesus. I know. I know. Six. See him face. This is so bad. Seeing him face villains old and new is worth the price of admission. Jesus. I'm, I'm, not, sure. I'm Jesus, not sure it is yeah. worth the price of admission. I'm not confident it is, considering what they charge for comments these days. Um, so basically they're saying, like, we can throw old Superman villains at him and it'll be like, oh, awesome, we've got the and new shit. you can do that now. Like, I think we can stop. Everything yeah. they've said you can do yeah. with Superman. I'll, I'll do, I'll do the, this one one more because it's just fucking makes me want to throw up. John on the Justice League is money. God. Is it? Is it really? I don't think he's owned bookies money. <laughs> there are differences between him and Clark. That's a reason. And the number one reason, change is good. That's it. <laughs> oh, God. I am closing this article. That is one of the poorest fucking things I've ever read. David Harath, who wrote, or David Half, who wrote this, should be embarrassed. That was embarrassing to read. We read that on Signal. We gave him a chance. That was appalling. That was terrible. I, w- I don't think there was one good reason. In the end one, Rich, change is good. Just change is good, man. You know? And, and, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's not, yeah. Was change good when Hal Jordan killed all the Green Lanterns and the Guardians and everything and you had to retcon it yeah, fucking 20 years later? Was, was change good when you split Superman into red and blue? I enjoyed it. Excuse me, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, but it didn't stick around, is my point. It was it a change back. It was a stunt. It was a stunt. Change isn't always good. Uh, change can be good. Change can be good. And change is inevitable, usually. Not maybe not in comic books, but um but change isn't always good. Um, you know. And it's all oh, yeah. also also it's not always no. permanent either. You know. Change change is a gamble. Yeah, it's a gamble. I mean it's gotta be done right. It's mm. gotta be done with foresight. It doesn't just because you're changing something doesn't automatically make it good. Yeah, like it's like if you want to take it out of bullshit comic conversation, if you talk about work and say we're going to change to a new software system and we're going to launch it and blah blah blah, it's not always good. There's often a fucking ton of bugs and you know. No job I've worked at where they've changed the software has been good. No, it's all it's always problematic, and and sometimes it, 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 it there's it's not necessarily always for the better. The goal is 
but it doesn't necessarily, you know, there can be a lot of regrets and a lot of wasted time and man hours and blah, blah, blah. It's just, a, it was a poor article, but I thought it was funny to read it out. Um, we gave a chance. Now there's a rumour, Rich, that Hugh Grant is in talks to take over Doctor Who from Jodie Whittaker. What do you think? According to Hugh Grant. I don't know if it's according to Hugh Grant. It's according to the press in the UK. No, no, no. no. Hugh Grant has said it's not true. Yeah, I don't believe it's true at all. I think it's a complete... No, that's what I said. According, yeah. This could be true. It could also be him lying. I mean, Andrew Garfield lied about um, sure. being in the Spider-Man movies, but I'm just saying, according to Hugh Grant, yeah. this isn't true. Now, whether or not that means anything, we'll have to wait and see. I, I, I really... I, I would bet my fucking lunch money for the rest of my life that it's not true. Um, and it's bullshit, you know. And it probably is a bit of PR put out by the BBC just to build a bit of interest, you know. Um, I want to get your comments. Tom McFarlane, I actually read this, watched this interview. Tom McFarlane was on a um, a YouTube channel. It was a pretty interesting interview about action figures and stuff. It was actually pretty interesting. And he got into some hot water when talking about female action figures. It was kind of funny. He was basically saying, I'm paraphrasing him. And I like Tom McFarlane. Um, I find him interesting. He was talking about... Um, Mum and dad, you know, the kid's been good. Um, and he was talking about boy f- action figures. And the kid's been good and the, they go out to, um, you know, Walmart or wherever to get their figure. And do they get, you know, the Hulk? No. Do they get Spider-Man? No. Do they get Batman? No. They get a female character and they bring it home. And then he was like, the kid's like, okay, thanks. And then he's like, and then he was like, there's a reason why serial killers are formed or something. And he was kind of making a joke. The kid was really disappointed. Um, Look, it was said in jest. I watched the interview. I mean, people were trying to tear it apart, saying, you know, blaming him for all the ills of society. Because I do genuinely, I I mean, I know many a girl likes action figures, the male action figures. And, but he was basically saying that female action figures outside of, the biggest characters like Wonder Woman are harder, to, much harder to shift than the heroes, um, and the villains are harder to shift than the heroes. Um, he was talking about his DC line, basically. Um, you know, this is all he was saying. It was an interesting interview. I, I, I honestly think people were. It was, you know, people get a bit too uh, serious, almost. You know, but. Put it this way, like, uh, what I find fascinating, right? People who attack him are attacking out of, from emotion. Sure. But what he's saying, as a toy manufacturer... Yeah, he's talking from a business angle. That was the whole context of the conversation. He's talking about actual sales. Yeah. Data, empirical data. Yeah. He has got uh, 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 the, the sheets, the facts on his side... Which is what a, the whole interview was about. It was all about how things are exactly. to sell. You so, know. so getting angry at him because what he's saying uh, you disagree with, you are disagreeing from an emotional point of view. Yeah. You are disagreeing because you don't like to hear that mm. boys, you know, people buy more of the boys' toys or the girl figures. I'm sorry that, that I, I'm sorry that upsets you. I'm sorry that you hate that, that you have to hear that. But he's not talking from a point of speculation or no. He's talking about he's hard talking data to, that he that he's he deals about with. Actual sales figures. Yeah. So and like, I'm sorry. I like, sympathise with I sympathise with people who don't watch it and kind of are responding out of a sort of knee jerk reaction. I get it. I get why. I you know I get it. I, I I totally appreciate that many girls gravitate towards action figures, you know, not just dolls. Like, that's true. Here's something, here's something funny I did hear mm. uh, in regards to this. That fucking stupid woman, Heather, Heather Antos. Oh, yeah, she never shuts up. 
she got really upset about this, right? Because I think she also had a she didn't like his serial killer thing, right? And she and she ended her tweet with like, and we both we we all know that toxic masculinity yeah. has got a more hand to play in, in serial killers than anything else. And yeah. I thought to myself, and I think yeah. some people rightfully pointed this out. If you look at most serial killers, the issues are from the mother. <laughs> well, there's also some female serial killers. There's also some female serial killers too. No, no, but even if they're, even if they're male serial killers, if you look at predominantly most of the male serial killers that we know of them, we've been caught. Right. A lot of them have mommy issues, not daddy yeah. issues. Yeah. Not toxic masculinity. It stems from the mother. Well, they so, could also yeah. be from abusive. They're also from abusive, um, you know, parents and stuff. Like, could be sexual abuse, you know, whatever. I don't uh, know. I'm, Dave, I'm not saying no. I'm not saying all of them. I'm talking about the majority that we right. know of. Do they? I, see, have, I didn't know that. Generally, comes from mother issues. What, like over cuddling them and stuff? Well, it could be lots of different things. Uh, the the mother was abusive. She Abandoned was overprotective. Yeah. She was, uh, you know, like you know, uh, almost like the carry type thing, you know. Right. Like where she's beat, you know, like you know, the, you're the devil. Like a lot of male serial killers, wow. yeah, tend to have mother issues. I did not know that, but they're fucked up units to begin with, and frankly, they they oh, belong yeah. in the fucking ground, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not making yeah. excuses, but I'm just yeah. saying. Once again, she's talk, she's talking about from uh, Heather feeling. Antos is is a is a professional victim, man. Like I'm so sorry <laughs> to tell. Like no, honestly, dude. Like. I watched no, the I'm interview. Not because I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, I watched the interview, man. It, frankly, yeah, Todd gets himself into hot water because he's making some jokes, but it, it was jokes, dude. Like, and you know, no, it wasn't even really that much of a joke. He was talking about sales, and he was actually he he often in the conversation was saying, "I'm not saying anything about the their good characters or not good characters. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what sells." That's what he was talking about. He and he and he prefaced and see she doesn't listen to the interview. She's just reacting. But he prefaced. No, someone someone you know, tweeted it and she's read their tweet yeah, and yeah. then made an entire uh, judgment call based on. But I would say she, she's made a career out of this, out of being the professional victim and out of being little miss outraged and you know little miss offended. Um, she somehow managed to have this career, and it's like, what have you done? Like outside of. Failed. You know? She's failed upwards, is what she's know, done. Yeah. I don't want to, to go too hard at it because I, I don't care. Like, frankly, let her have a fucking career. Many people have careers who are, you know, a kind of bullshit. But this whole like, I'm so outraged. It's like, calm the fuck down. You know, like, chill out. And by the way, I know she doesn't work at Marvel anymore, but I'm sure Marvel have the same kind of data. You know what I mean? And they know what sells. There's a reason there's a million Spider-Men that are constantly in the fucking kids' aisles. You know what I mean? Like the different variations on Spider-Man. Because he sells. And that's what Todd was saying. He's saying, give me Batman. Give me Spider-Man. I can sell these. I can make them cool. He actually made some really good points outside of that stuff, which was at the end. Um, He was saying how, like, when he selects the Batman versions to do, and he often doesn't care about where it comes from. He goes on visuals. He's very visual. He goes, yeah, that looks cool. That'll sell. Because he knows his target audience. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was just interesting from a sort of the aspect of a guy talking about the business that he's in and he's running the business. He knows how much money he's making or yeah, losing. But, but Dave, those those market research stuff, they, they are offensive. Sure. Well, you know, <laughs> whatever. But um, I, I, I look... And I've got a soft spot for him, and I, I know he creates his own trouble and stuff, and he's a, he's a, he's his own hype machine. 
but you know, God bless him. You know, he's out there doing it. He's out. There, he's the one out there taking risks yeah. and making money. You know. But Dave, for for all the people like online and on Twitter, just take a fucking joke too, man. Seriously. Yeah, I know. Yeah, chill out a little just, bit. You know. Just take a joke, okay? Just understand that that some people just they joke. Yeah, that's you it. may you may not find it funny, yeah, okay. but they were saying it in jest. Yeah, and and he wasn't even saying it that heavily either. Like really, he was he was doing a bit of a joke, doing a bit of a bit, but like that wasn't the main crux of the fucking conversation. Like if you looked into the actual conversation, there was a lot of interesting stuff, and it's but it's this knee jerk reactions of the whole thing. And I, I bet you Tom McFarlane kind of loves that his name gets in the news for this kind of stuff, you know. And because yeah, at the end of the day, I think for it's him, not, it's not, not going to hurt his uh, sales. No, any publicity is good publicity. Is Tom McFarlane's mantra always has been. Um, now, this is interesting. Francis Ford Coppola, who came out, you know, recently and was criticizing, I want to say, was criticizing the Marvel movies, is a big fan of Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool. He described the Deadpool film as amazing, um, which consistent. is interesting. Be consistent, Coppola. Well, maybe because that was it was a bit against the the grain of the normal formula like it was more comedic it was more sort of profane etc etc you know maybe i don't or breaking the fourth wall and all that kind of stuff like you know maybe that was really kind of like out there for him you know fair enough maybe he was baked maybe he was super (laughs) baked and watched it and was like this is great stuff maybe maybe he was confusing it with the the clint eastwood movie the deadpool (laughs) good film Fucking good yeah. film. <laughs> the final Dirty Harry. I could have done with more Dirty Harry after that. Um, now, Gold Key, Richard. I want to get your view on this. Gold Key are the original Star Trek comic book publisher. They've been revived under new ownership. Uh, they were the first company to publish Star Trek and Twilight Zone comics, uh, and they're reading for a major comeback in 2022. Now, I was talking about this um, on, I think, Old Guys Who Like Comics. Um, old Guys Who Like Old Comics, I think it's called, the Facebook group. Now... Apart from making a joke, we're saying, you know, they need to get good licensed product. Maybe they should look at the Demorn series. That was the first thing I said. Um, also, surely this will come down to what properties they acquire because Gold Key, you know, mean nothing unless they're doing licenses, you know. No one cares about Gold Key original characters that could just be done anywhere else. They need to acquire a few licenses. Would you agree, Rich? Like a Planet of the Apes or something. I mean, yes and no. I mean, some licenses are good, but I mean, sure. if you've got good characters, but do um, they? They've got nothing. I, like they've got no yeah, originals. No, no. But I mean, if you can create good characters, sure, they can sell because uh, let, let's be honest. There's a lot of older comic book readers mm. who are looking for an alternative. Sure, you know they they're not they're definitely not buying as much Marvel and DC as they used to. For sure. Um, you know, so, you know, I mean, yeah, look, if you can maybe get your hands on some, like, expired properties that don't exist anymore, that no one has. What about like, Planet of the Apes? Or... Who's doing Planet of the Apes? Yeah, but, yeah, Dave, the thing is, like, I don't I don't think there's a lot of money in that, right? Like, look at I look at IDW and Dynamite. They're not exactly swimming in cash, and they've got lots of licenses. Well, I don't they think... did very well with G.I. Joe and stuff over the years. IDW did okay until they lost a lot of properties recently, didn't they? Like, for a long yeah, time. That's my point. You, you can lose the license is my point. Like, yeah, yes, having some fact. licenses is good, but I think building your own oh, yeah. good yeah, you got to build your own house as well. And, and, and catalogue, that's your foundation because the licenses can come and go. Okay. So, well, we'll keep an eye yeah. on the story because I... I I would have thought if they're being backed by financiers, they, they've got to have some deals in place to get something, whether that's Battlestar Galactica, 
whether that's, you know, Planet of the Apes or just uh, Terminator yeah, I mean, look, or something. That's what I said. Uh, getting some licenses now could help you just get off the ground. Yeah. But you need to cultivate your own library. You've got to get your own catalog because mm. the licenses can be taken away from you. And if you're, if you're putting everything into the licenses, that the rug can be pulled out from under you and then you've got nothing. And we saw that with Dark Horse and IDW. Dark Horse suffered. Yep. They, they lost Conan. They lost Star Wars. They lost others in a very short span of time. Didn't they lose everything? Like uh, uh, Predator, Alien. Yeah, they did. Yeah, uh, you're right. You're um, right. Yeah, you're right. Conan, Star Wars. They lost fucking almost everything. Uh, do they still have? No, uh, do they still have Robocop? I don't know if they still have uh, Robocop. I don't know. Um, maybe they do because I, I, it's definitely not a Marvel. But um, also, IDW recently, didn't they just lose G.I. Joe and something else as well? Um, they just lost Star Wars again, and that's go- some of the Star Wars again back to Dark Wars. So that's my point. You cannot build your your you cannot build your brand on licenses. It, you mm. can't. It's but I a lot of companies crazy. have done that though. You know, recently. Yeah, but are, are any of them anywhere successful? As well, Dark Horse just got sold for didn't they just get sold for a couple of billion dollars or something? Recently, I'm sure they did. Yeah, someone, someone again, bought them out. But as I said, it's not. It's not. Um, it's not the stock market. It's, not, it's ups and downs. It's it's yeah. it's a gamble. You are right. Like, and a company with deep pockets like Disney could come along and totally outbid you completely. Don't don't forget, um, Valiant were doing very well mm. uh, when they relaunched mm-hmm. with their own original characters. Right when they when they relaunched with Archer and Armstrong oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And all that sort of stuff. Now, unfortunately, they didn't keep the quality going. Sure, and their books, their books just fucking went off a cliff. I remember you loved them for a while, you, and so yeah. Ray loved them. If, yeah, if they had continued with the quality that they were doing, mm. I reckon they would be they would take they would have been taking a, a, a fairly good chunk out of the pie from from uh, Marvel and DC right now if right. their stuff was up to snuff. And what happened though? So, it fell apart. Yeah, I mean they they hired just poor editors, poor talent. I mean, for Christ's sake, they hired Heather Antos at one point, you know. <laughs> Not the best movie you can make. Um, she's so, famous. She's famous for just nothing. It seems like famous for being offended. That's it. Like good luck to you. Yeah, and, and so that's my point. I think if they had built, if they had continued to build, like go from strength to strength, put out quality stuff, sure. they would be a viable third option in terms of like where you buy your stuff now. And right now, they're they the third third or image, so they'd be behind Image Valiant. I yeah, think Valiant so, have sort of diminished recently in the last couple of years. Because that's the thing, you're not a big company like Marvel and DC. So once you, once you fuck up, mm. it's going to be very hard to come back. Do you know what I mean? Once you've burnt the people, or they go, oh, this shit's gone. Yeah, it's very hard to get a relaunch and, and get them back in. So you've you've got to do something, and you've got to keep the quality good. Like because you don't have the 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 the, the time that you know Marvel and DC have been making comics for fucking yeah, many years. Yeah, yeah. and like, their characters know, they've got enough characters that are embedded in popular consciousness that exactly so even when Marvel were going bankrupt quality. even and we've we talked about this with Tom DeFalco even when Marvel were in the death throes they had the clone saga and they milked that because at the time it was making mm-hmm. money and that was all based on Spider-Man now we do have live uh, conversations here from Adam the computer I asked him what offended him in Supergirl. At the end of it, he did like the comic up until the end, where, spoilers, kids, um, Supergirl and the girl character kill the father's killer in cold blood. Uh, This is after the father had been in the Phantom Zone and changed his ways, I think, for like 10 years or something. Um, Oh, shit. Typical. 
Tom King. Tom King. Also annoyed they made Adam Strange the villain in Strange Adventures. The Guy Gardner thing is the worst offence, though, in his opinion, though clearly not regular continuity. So, yes. Yeah. We just... That's what I said. Tom King's a one-note wonder, man. Yeah. He only knows one one character arc. That's it. <laughs> oh, yeah, and PTSD. Everyone's got to have that. Well, no, that's the character arc. Yeah. <laughs> They 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 shitty people that do shitty things. That's their character, and they've got PTSD. <laughs> That's their excuse, you know. It's mm. it's it, it's 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 almost barely worth talking about because it's so boring. But anyway, so uh, yeah, go okay. We'll we'll keep an eye on it though because we will keep an eye on it to see what um what actually continues to happen. Um, oh, it's so good. Adam sent me a picture of I, I told him we just read just about love and Siegel, and he sent me a picture of uh, Palpatine as the Emperor going good. <laughs> excellent yeah. excellent stuff from uh, out of the computer there um, now right. actor Sebastian Stan who plays the Winter Soldier Richard if you don't remember uh, revealed that shooting no yeah no idea revealed shooting Marvel Studios Avengers Endgame was a particularly tough experience for him he was in an interview with the Happy Sad Confused podcast uh, blah, blah, blah. he was asked if there was ever an instance during his acting career where he had to perform a scene without context Stan recalled that the last Avengers movie was difficult to shoot as he was barred from reading the full script. He was not the only one prevented from doing so, as many other actors who only appeared during the film's climax were not given permission to read the screenplay in its entirety. Many were even provided with scripts with fake scenes in order to prevent spoilers from leaking. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I think Marvel get a bit ahead of themselves. Like, it's like, okay. I I guess if you're just turning up in, in the portal, what does it matter? You know, but like... How much was he in it? I don't remember. Was he in it? Was he in Avengers Endgame much? Winter Soldier? I, I really don't remember. Do you remember? No, he got he got snapped, bro. He got snapped. So he just comes back at the end in the fight. Yeah, he comes back at the end and gets. Well, then what's he complaining about? Like gets because, dusted away. But what's he? Yeah, but what's he complaining about then? Like, it's like okay, so your that. character was dead in the in Avengers Infinity War. You come and, back in the climatic fight, and that's it. Well, he he's trying to say that he found it very hard to act uh, like dust. Yeah, he found it very, <laughs> very, very hard to be off screen for the entire movie until the very end. It was very hard. Um, yeah, I, I'm sure he took the money. Uh, you know, I'm sure he took the whatever cash they were prepared to throw at him for that. Um, yeah, ridiculous. Now, a Netflix announces Samurai Rabbit, uh, the Usagi Chronicles release date. Um, this is uh, interesting. I am curious. It. De- Debuts on April 28. This series is mainly CGI animated, but with hand-drawn flashback sequences based on the Stan Sakai Eisner award-winning comic book series Yusagi Ojimba, which I love. Now, the Yusagi Chronicles follows the teenage rabbit Samurai Yushi, descendant of the great warrior Magato Yusagi, on his epic quest to become a true samurai. But he isn't alone. He leads a ragtag bunch of misfit heroes, including a roguish bounty hunter, a cunning ninja, an acrobatic pickpocket, and a faithful pet lizard, which actually, there's a lot of lizards in um, the original Yusagi Ojimbo, as he battles depth-charging moles, metal-tipped winged bats, and monsters from another dimension, all in his pursuit to become the best samurai Yusagi. What do you think, Rich, of this? Uh, could be good if done right. Mm. I'm a big fan of the comics. Big fan. I know you are. Um, but... You know, they're not... People think they're really kitty-kitty. There's actually a fair bit of death and violence in Yusagi Ojimbo. It's just done very creatively. 
Um, like, characters die in Yasagi Ojimbo pretty much every comic, and they have the skull icon that comes above them when they die. Um, mm. I did don't you, know. Did you, get, did you get excited when he showed up in the Ninja Turtles cartoon? Yes. I fucking got very excited because that was, um, yeah, man, that's that's kind of what, yeah, he, he turned up in the comics as well because they, the, they did the crossovers and stuff. I got super fucking excited for that, man. Yeah, it was awesome. No, look, this could be a good adult cartoon show, but again, it's got to be done right. It, it. Um, uh, but my concern is that it's Netflix, so who knows? Do you want another Xbox Games Pass perk, Rich? Uh, game... Another one. Yeah, exactly. Xbox Games Pass Ultimate members can now get three months of Marvel Unlimited for free, providing instant comics to over twenty nine thousand digital comics. It's valid for only new members of Marvel, to Marvel Unlimited, and the subscription will automatically continue after the three months unless cancelled. Uh, you need to claim the offer by May 31st. Uh, there's some uh, speculation. It looks like it should be limited only to the US, but we've got a, a lot of US listeners, so maybe you'll find this interesting if you've got Xbox, Xbox Games Pass Ultimate. I know I'm interested, um, but... I've also got it, so it's not something. But it, but if I was over there and didn't have it, I, I reckon this would be interesting. I think Marvel Unlimited is actually a really good service. I, I actually really I found it handy a lot of times. Um, what about you, Rich? Uh, you're not a Marvel Unlimited member, are you? No, no. Um, if this option came up, would you activate it in Australia? Uh, if it didn't cost me anything extra, sure. Would you? You'd have to be careful about the at the end of the three months, so it's going to charge you. Would you get a lot of use out of it? Probably not. <laughs> well, maybe some older Marvel stuff. Yes. Well, that's um, the That's that's why you. That's why you get it, man. I mean, I, they do have the more modern stuff, but mostly it's the the older stuff that's that's of interest, you know. Oh, by the way, uh, speaking of perks, uh, I just remembered. Uh, uh, I think it's only in America, but mm. apparently you can get the you can get thirty days of Paramount Plus uh, okay. uh, through Game Pass as well. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, okay. Um, all right. So Paramount Plus, yeah, that is cool. Can you get Paramount Plus here in Australia? I'm not even sure if you could get it. I don't know, actually. That's a good question. Oh, no, you can get it through Amazon. Can you? Right, okay. Yeah. Uh, Amazon has got, uh, you for, for an extra fee, mm. you can add channels onto your Amazon subscription, such as Paramount Plus, uh, AMC, Shutter. Right. Uh, MGM, and there was, uh, I think, another one. Uh, so for an extra fee, you can add those to your Amazon subscription. That's pretty cool. Hmm. Okay. I didn't know that. That's a, that's actually pretty cool. Have you have you done that? Uh, not yet, because there's not really anything on there that I really want yeah, to watch. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of it. A lot of it comes down to like, is it stuff that I'm actually interested in? You know. Yeah. Well, I have been thinking of maybe the Shutter. Uh, you know, there's some uh, original horror stuff and all that sort of stuff, but um, uh, I might I might check it out because I can do a seven day trial first. I, I think I might do a seven day trial first mm. and see how. Um... Re- report back, report back when you when you do it. Tell me if there's anything good. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, and you can you can you can be live on the scene again, Rich. We love you being live on the scene. You know, yeah, I, I might check it out because I mean the MGM stuff is good on there because it's got all the James Bond stuff and all that. So I mean, that yeah. Well, that's right. They own James Bond now, don't they? Didn't they just close that deal recently? Yeah, but as I said, that channel has been on Amazon for ages, so I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what. 
What's the go? You don't know what's going on. You don't know what's going on, Rich. Is that the story? You're, you're, well, that, yeah, you're I mean, lost in the I, I mean, they do own it now, but as I said, but it was always on the um, it was always on the web. Uh, it was always a part of the channel plan. So I don't know if maybe they were renting that or something. Mm. I don't know. Mm. Okay, or, well, at a anyway. But I mean, I don't really care about Amazon's wheelings and dealings. If I'm being right. <laughs> as they as they try to acquire the world. Just, just give me my discount for my Amazon purchases. That's all I care about. At some point, Amazon will purchase the planet or Disney. It's going to race to the fucking, you know, it's a race <laughs> race to the fucking well for those two idiots. Um, now, we've got Chopping with the Gang. A couple of things uh, coming out next week, Rich. Uh, Conan the Barbarian, the epic collection of Once and Future Kings, continues the original Marvel Years um, stuff. The stuff that I'm collecting in the Omnibuses, they're also doing in, in Epic Collections. Obviously, the Epic Collections take a bit longer to, to come through, but, you know, we're up to Omnibus 7 of the of the original Marvel Years now, but um, they're also, the, the Epic Collections are going on. So I think it's a very affordable way for people, you know, to get involved with um, uh, Conan and the original 70s Conan going into the 80s now. I think they're, they're up to the 80s now. I know the Omnibuses are. They're into almost the mid-80s now, which is pretty cool. Um, I love you, you came over the other day, didn't you, Rich? And you saw my Conan, you got my Conan oh, collection. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, quite, quite the omnibus collection. Then. Yes, I was pretty happy. And also, coming out next week, Rich, Astro City Metro Book Volume 1 from Image. Um, it's, it's, the, it's about 400 pages, maybe a bit more, maybe 500. It's the first collection, soft cover, but big soft cover, of Kurt Busiak's Astro City. Uh, I don't know if you've ever checked that out, Rich. Off and on over the years, yes. Any good? Because I'm going to get this. So any good? It's a roller coaster. Is it really? What, of quality? Well, uh, it, yeah. Well, not, a, well not, not so much of quality, but I guess maybe of story. Like, I mean, because mm. Astro City is kind of like, um, uh, shit, what do you call it? when Anthology? Like, um, yeah, yeah. So Astro City, it's, it's like a shared world, but like um, each uh, chapter is kind of like a different character. Right. Um, and so some are really good and some are mediocre and some are like, eh, like, but I mean, it's good stuff in it for sure. There's some oh, okay. good characters. Some good well, I, I figure your, we... your mileage, your mileage may vary from, okay. uh, from story to story. When we get past Chuck and JM, we might do, uh, the first trade payback over two weeks, you know, cause it's a big one. And I, I, I thought, cause I've got a copy from image. I've got a digital copy, which I can, which I can give you. Um, from Image, the promotional uh, came to me last just, just last night. That's how I knew it came out, actually. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, Image give it, give give, it, give us those for review purposes. So I thought, well, why not? We can actually do it, you know, and I can let Image know that we're reviewing it. Charlie, you want a refill? Yeah, a refill be great. No, I don't want to. Hey, Mr. Clark, how you doing? Good. I've been trying to reach you. You're tougher to get than the president. Well, I've been busy. <laughs> yeah, at least you could do is return my phone calls, though. Listen, Nikki, we talked about this. And uh, I explained to you that there was the possibility you might have to take some kind of loss. Yeah. I think I want my money back. <laughs> what are you going to do, strong arm me? <laughs> you know, I think that you got the wrong impression about me. I think in all fairness, I should explain to you exactly what it is that I do. For instance, tomorrow morning I'll get up nice and early, take a walk down over to the bank and... Walk in and see, and uh, if you don't have my money for me, I'll crack your fucking head wide open in front of everybody in the bank. And just about the time that I'm coming out of jail, hopefully, 
You'll be coming out of your coma. And guess what? I'll split your fucking head open again. Because I'm fucking stupid. I don't give a fuck about jail. That's my business. That's what I do. And we know what you do, don't we, Charlie? You fuck people out of money and get away with it. You can't fuck. Hey, you fat Irish prick. You put my fucking money to sleep. You go get my money or I'll put your fucking brain to sleep. Sam. Never mind. Fucking Sam, this is personal. I'll be there in the morning. You can fucking try me, fatso. You fucking try me. You think you got the point? All right, it's Weekly Comics, Rich. Uh, first one up, Rogues. Uh, one, uh, Joshua Williamson. Um, I'm just going to bring up my issue wrote this one um it basically it's the correct if i'm correct rich I mean, correct me if i'm wrong it's basically the flash rogues gallery kind of 10 years after their prime basically and um they're all down and out they're led by captain cold who's now aged and kind of working a very menial job and he's heard this rumor uh from another character which you'll have to tell me who they are in sort of like the rogues bar about Gorilla Grodd having all this gold and he wants to do uh, uh, basically a, a last heist. And the rogues, everyone's kind of 10 years later, every, you, most of them are in bad positions. They're all certainly diminished from what they were. Uh, I quite enjoyed this actually, Richard, and um, I found this quite readable and entertaining. And uh, frankly, I, I wish more comics were kind of like of this quality. Um, yeah, it interested me. What did you think of it, Rich? Um, so I will make a correction. It's not all of the Flash's rogues okay. uh, because um, uh, two of them died. Right. Uh, uh, because it, it does a time skip where obviously it goes 10 years later. Yes. And uh, I believe Weather, Weather, Weather Wizard and... Boomerang, I think, died. Yeah, Boomerang died. And so basically they bring... Bronze Tiger, who... Uh, well, again, it's Black Label, so, I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter. But, I mean, Bronze Tiger is a reformed assassin, so he's technically a good guy, not, right, a, not but, a villain. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, uh, what's the chick's name? Uh, Golden Glider? No, Golden Glider is a rogue. That's It's the... What's it, Magenta? Magenta? Yeah, like, so they, they kind of replaced two of them with non-rogue... Mm-hmm. Uh, characters, um, but yeah. So um, the one at the beginning that you're thinking of is uh, what was it called? Uh, Ape and Angel or something? Okay, yeah. I, uh, I, I've heard of that. I've never read it, but anyway, yeah. Yeah. So it's basically a gorilla and a woman, and they kind of like you know solve crimes and all that. Like sort of adventures stuff. together and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I, I I do. I, I I I do like this issue, mm. but I'm also not a fan of like um, I think it's like a meta joke type thing where you know like because they're making jokes like you know oh Detective Chimp is you know better or is she with Detective Chimp now it's like uh, I guess she has a thing I, for apes that kind of stuff you know yeah I mean that sort of jokes sort of fall flat for me um, really? but I mean it's it's. It's interesting. It's an interesting concept, you know, for a black label, which is what I think it should be. Where you yeah. take things and you can have a bit of fun with it. Uh, it was weird to see Leonard's not like bald. Well, he's <laughs> but, and massively old as well. You know, like hugely old. Which is weird because Glider doesn't look like she's aged. At no, all, she I agree. There was quite a discrepancy 
um, in in their age. But I I, I did like it, though. Like, honestly, like, I I went into it with reasonably high expectations. I heard Joshua Williamson talking about it on Word Balloon. Seemed interesting. Seemed like, you know, I'm not super familiar with these rogues, but I'm familiar enough that I can, you know, tap in and, and get involved. And, I mean, I... I was I was enjoying it. I, I definitely continue reading, uh, which is more than you can say for a lot of comics these days. You know. Again, it's it's weird because I mean, I have to keep telling myself that it's it's Black Label because one of the things that the Rogues prided themselves on was that they didn't kill um, unnecessarily. Mm. Sure, you know what I mean. That was the, that's also why the, the Flash used to always give them a lot of leeway, right? Gotcha. Is they, you know, especially with Leonard Snart as, as as the leader, he was always like, "We don't kill. We're not like, mm. we're not thugs. You know what I mean? Mm. We only kill if we absolutely have to. Do you know what I mean?" Whereas here, the Figo takes quite a bit of joy at one point in. Yeah, like yeah. The, he freezes like a whole bunch of guards, and he literally just fucking like, um, uh, just kills him. He just like crushes them all and kicks them apart and stuff and all that. And he seems quite chuffed about it. Now again, it's Black Label, so I mean, maybe his character is has gotten darker, I guess, and all that. Mm. It was just a bit weird for me to see that. Mm. Um, look, it might be a very good uh, heist book, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much what it is. It's basically, he's writing a heist book and he's just using DC characters mm. um, uh, for the heist. So, I mean, it, it, it's, not, it's not terrible in any way. I mean, I didn't, I didn't hate reading it. Mm. Um, I, I thought it's, it's interesting, and I'd like to see the heist happening in Gorilla City. Mm. Um, that, that that could be quite interesting and all that. So, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, uh, wait and see. Um, it's 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 pro- it's a good setup, I think. It's a good start. Um, mm. Hopefully, it can get better. It's all about how they yeah. execute it from here, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Like you've done the setup now. Um, now the heist better be good. <laughs> now I'm going to give the first issue eight out of ten. I, I thought it was a good entry point. Um, I know that's a high score. What What are you giving it, Rich, for the first issue? I'll give it a seven out of ten. Like yeah. it's 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 definitely one of the better uh, DC stuff I've read in a while. Yeah. Um, okay. You know, and you know, maybe this is maybe that's also the Black Label is a good idea to have. I think. Mm. Um, I just yeah. I just wish the current line was better. Yeah. No, so I, that, I, I so agree. It's a good idea. Yeah, for sure. So that you can maybe enjoy these even more, mm. you know, because it's quite depressing when you're like, geez, this is better than the actual. <laughs> oh, the current, like, uh, the current mainstream. Yeah. 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 Like that, that's quite a, a, a damning indictment where like your black label stuff is more enjoyable than oh, yeah. your actual canon stuff. Like, well, I, I, I think their, their, their main line is, is quite weak in a lot of ways, you know, really very weak. Yeah. And, but and uh, this is- it's, it's it's interesting. I, I I'm willing to see it because I'm a sucker for heist movies. Like, yeah, uh, I, I do love a good heist movie. So uh, challenging I, thing to write a heist. You've got to you know takes a bit of planning and to get a heist right is 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 its own thing. Brubaker is very good yeah. at it. Um, in criminal and stuff, um, he yeah. is very good at it. But it, you know, it, it does heists aren't the easiest thing in the world to write in fiction they're one of the more complicated things to to pay it all off correctly you know oh for sure for sure yeah so uh and you know i'm gonna revise my score to a 7.5 which is my original score because i think it's a good entry point and as you say then it will come down to how it goes next up we had wolverine patch one uh larry hammer back on the x books and back on wolverine and it's a it's a basically a flashback 
not a flashback, but a, you know, a jump back in time to when Patch was operational in Madripoor. Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a it, look nothing groundbreaking. Um, I do want to say that it was nothing that's you're know, going to be like, oh my god, I can't believe, you know, dust off the Eisner. But it was just good old fashioned Wolverine story, and and I for for, for that loved it. Um, what did you think, Rich? I, I I actually I really quite enjoyed it. It was great to see the original Nick Fury as well. That was fun. Yes. Um. Now I'll say this: the Wolverine patch and the Venom Lethal Protector is probably the two best books I read this week. Okay. Uh, just because if you told me that mm. this was from like twenty years ago, I'd believe you. Yeah. Uh, it feels it feels right. It feels like how comics used to be. Yeah. Um. Uh, uh it, it says a lot because I mean those those are both written by older. Yeah, Larry um, Larry Hammer. Uh, you know, and, and David Michelini, both have been around since around the yeah. same period, 70s. And and it certainly felt like that time. You know what mm. I mean? It certainly has that um, that quality where, as I said, if you told me that this I was that this was an old issue, a flashback issue, mm. I, I and I didn't know, I would believe you. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Because yeah. it, it just feels like... I, like, the Wolverine patch, I think, was a hell of a lot more enjoyable to read than the X-Deaths of Wolverine. Well, I was going to compare it to that. I was interested to get your point of view on that. Well, I just like it was just more fun. Like yeah. Um, yeah. you know, you. Uh, I, I, I will. I will say this. I do think the dialogue was a little bit spotty. Mm. Um, I do think maybe you could have maybe. I know that you. I know you're writing it for like. Oh, it, it's it's a it's, it takes place in a different time. Mm. But I did feel like sometimes the the just the dialogue in some places, not the whole thing. Yeah. Just in some places, I felt the dialogue was a little too cliched. Um, a little too um, old school. Yeah, like just like just like some of the phrases and 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 all that sort of stuff. Uh, but in in saying that, oh uh, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed seeing Nick Fury. I fucking love original Nick Fury so much. Oh yeah, uh, it was any, great to see him in Helicarrier. Anytime I can see a, a proper classic Nick Fury, I'm I'm always happy. And yeah. this Wolverine just felt better than yeah. Wolverine's felt in a long time. So well, it was it was um, Wolverine stepping off the pages of the original '90s stuff and '80s stuff that really yeah. I love. Like you know? this is this is an eight out of ten for me. This is yeah. this was really enjoyable. I felt like I was reading a proper comic book. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's that's the best thing I can say. I felt like I was reading a proper comic book, like yeah. a proper classic comic book. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. I mean, I'm giving it seven point five out of ten. And it's great to hear it's continuing because I thought it was just going to be a one and done. But these are continuing series. This and Venom are both continuing series. I don't know how long they are. I don't know if they're miniseries. I guess I could find that out. Um, but, like, it, for me, very enjoyable stuff. And um, and Larry Harmer, I mean, he just doesn't let the team down. You know, like, he he, he it's old school, but it's kind of old school best school, you know? Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and sure. yeah, and and for, on, on that aspect in itself, I'm just trying to work out if they're, um, yeah, one of five. There we go. So it's a five issue mini. Um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a limited whatever they call in these those limited series. Limited, limited series, yeah. Run, then we had X Death the Wolverine five. Now I actually this wraps up what has been a long saga. And Richard, you've been quite patient getting through all this. Um. I actually felt this was a really good ending. I gave it 8 out of 10. I, I felt the second Omega Red got off the board, 
Um, it became a much more interesting comic. I liked the the visuals at the start where she turns up to Xavier on the bench where she'd been originally, and she's like, "Fuck you, Xavier, and fuck your dream." And um, and then you saw the images in the future. Uh, I never really understood what she did that was so bad to deserve what happened to her. But anyway, um, I mean, she really went evil, big evil. Like, did you read the text piece where she was like killing Xavier with the sword through his ribs? Um, and kissing him at the same time, and, like, she's just mental. Um, that's in the far future. But, uh, yeah, really, really, I think this is a really good wrap-up to what at times has been a pretty average kind of event, if you want to call it an event or mini-event. Um, I thought this was a great wrap-up, and I gave it out of 10. What did you think, Rich? Uh, I thought the entire series was Mm. pointless. Empty, nothing... Um, wow. like it, this, this issue is just one long fight scene. Um, really, I mean, I know you've got the start where you've, I like the you've start. got the, the Moira at the start going, I fucking hate everything. I hate you, Charles. And at the end, she has a little resurrection, but in, in between that, it's just one long, meaningless, um, sort of fight. And again, dialogue, uh, uh, like dialogue is just so. <laughs> It's just so juvenile. I just find a lot of the writing today, I find the dialogue to feel very juvenile. Yeah. I, I don't know why. It just doesn't feel... I think, like... It's a weird thing, but I think there is an art to writing dialogue in comics. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I, yeah. I, I just... I do believe that. I believe that there's an art to it. You can't just... You know... Um, but also, the whole series, because I'm judging also it's the whole series now, because this is the end. Mm, of course, yeah. I, I, I just felt the whole thing was just pointless and didn't really amount to anything. Well, it, it certainly doesn't. I mean, in, 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 in like, like a lot of comic book series, it just ends with them in the bar sort of raising a toast and... and yeah. you I mean, know, I, thought, I thought this was supposed to be some big, like, catastrophe event and all that sort of shit, and I just don't feel like any... I, I would... I don't even think anything happened. Well, the, it was averted. The, the, it was averted. That was the, that was what happened, man. It was it was it was disaster it averted. Yes, but my point is, you didn't even feel like there was a danger. You know what I mean? Like I never really felt like there was this, like, oh my god, yeah, impending shit. Like as I, I, said, I, I felt it. I, I felt it. I, I've got to say, I, I uh, thought it was. I, I look. I at times, like certainly at the start of this event, I was very sort of like. I thought it was started off quite mediocre, which isn't a good thing. You lose most of your readers that way. But having ground through it, uh, I eventually I felt it really picked up in the in, in the in the back half, and I found it quite inter- interesting by the end. And I kind of wanted to read a bit of the more Hickman X Men because I kind of thought it was kind of interesting. But it took a long time to get going. The more they talked about the future and stuff like that, the more interested I got. And, like, I enjoyed the Phalanx um, program or whatever it was. Like, I thought that was kind yeah, of but, cool. Okay, but okay, but let's say that you haven't been reading any of the Hickman stuff, right? Mm. This You've picked this up because you've, you've, you've been told this is an event book. Which is right? almost me, yeah. That this is a Wolverine event. Mm. It, it's, a, it's an event that feels uneventful. Mm. And you say that they, oh, they talk about the future. They don't show you anything really of the future. You Not don't much. know what Not much. the world like. What are they fighting to prevent? I, you haven't shown me. This well, is it's, visual it's, it's the phalanx things taking yes, over but, the computers. Yes, but think about it this way: you know, whenever they did like a bishop or a cable, 
Yeah. They would spend some time showing you how shitty the future is. Yeah. Like what it is true. that they're fighting against. True. You true. know, they would, they would show the world in devastation or mutants in chains in prisons. Like they they didn't show you anything. So I'm like, what do you what's the danger? What what am I supposed to like yeah. fear that they that they, that that the future is holding for them when you haven't even shown me anything? You've just told me, Oh, the future's bad. Okay, the future's probably always bad that's true they've only you are 100 percent right there they it was a lot of the times i had to pick up what was happening in the future from the text passages which i particularly hate in comics when you have to do that um i'm quite even though i enjoy reading you know books like novels i do find text pages in comics quite a chore um and uh, no, look, you know m- maybe they have shown some of this future in the other books but i can't judge it off that i can only judge it off what you were telling yeah, yeah. this no, was I the, agree. I this agree. what i picked up so for me again this is another six out of ten it's a middle of the road i don't feel i don't feel anything when i read it i don't i i just didn't really enjoy it yeah. like this the, the deaths or the lives of Wolverine. i thought would just <laughs> i honestly if i it, i felt like it was a waste of time yeah. Like, I, I, I'm sorry, I just, yeah, I don't enough, feel yeah. like my time was well spent and I don't feel I got a good story out of it. Wow. And that's a damning review, isn't it, really, at the end of the day? Um, yeah, I, 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 I definitely I, felt it was a slight waste of time. Maybe maybe not as hard as you, but definitely it took a long time to get anywhere. You know, like that, I won 100%, um, you know. I got, more, I got more enjoyment reading Wolverine Patch 1 Oh, yeah. five issues of excess of wolverine i agree with that and um yeah and and like i'm giving his wolverine a chance um his actual mainline wolverine but again uh, it's quite slow to get going and and it feels like benjamin percy uh he, he <coughs> excuse me takes a while to find his gears like i don't think this started well i like like i'm i'm very critical of events that don't start well because you know, you've you've kind of got to start like the market's competitive. You've got to come out of the blocks fast. I I, I personally feel, um, and I don't I don't feel he played his best cards early. Now, what what I'll say this, and, and this is I think um, also I think comics did better in the day, right? Mm. They would if there was something uh, an event happening, right, or, mm. or something was going to be happening, you're going to kind of have a mini event. There would be some kind of build up to it. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Like. Uh, let, let, let's say it's a it's, it's a cable one or it's a it's a, it's a bishop one or something like that, right? Uh-huh. And let's say you were reading the comics. Whatever was happening with the main story or the main story you're reading, they would put in the B story or the the the, the C story of this coming up mm-hmm. to, to to let you know what sort of stuff is coming up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I finished this book and I don't really know what's really happening or coming up in the future because I don't feel like there was another thread. Yeah, I don't feel like there was something that was leading me to be like oh wow i want to continue i want to see you know all that b3 that that should be coming up yeah you know maybe in a couple of i didn't really feel like there was you were setting anything up future down the road no other than the very fucking uh like what's the word like predictable renaissance of um or resurrection of moria as swan or whatever she's like I hope they're ready for my swan song. And it was kind of like, look at... Oh, that was, yeah, that's what I said. The dialogue was so was really clunky and bad. That was, and all that. That like, was um, pretty bad, that part. But that's, not, but that's still part of the A story. Yeah, true. Do you know what I mean? Like, as I said, like, if you were reading X-Men back in the day, you would you would get this snippet of Cable doing something or on the run. Mm. And once they finished whatever story they were doing, 
you would go into that story. So they, you know what I mean? Like comics used to leave breadcrumbs or mm. they, they, they'd start weaving in threads for future events or, or things that were coming down the line. I don't feel like comics do that anymore. I feel like it's a one and done they, story. They damn, they damn well should with the amount of fucking space they've got and how slowly they tell stories. They should be all about doing that, you know? Yeah, so, so I mean... <laughs> I mean, really? I, I don't know. I, I, I As I said, I haven't enjoyed X-Men for fucking years. Man. Yeah. Like, my, my, like, the last time I enjoyed X-Men would have been probably around about the 2000s. Like, you know, just, just, uh, once we got off the 90s. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 90s, for me, is probably my favorite. I mean, I do enjoy the 80s and all that, but I think my favorite and, and what I resonate with, because probably what I was reading the most, was the 90s X-Men. Yeah. Oh, I, for sure. I, I just feel like that's the best, you know, when you got Cable, Bishop, you know, Gambit, Wolverines firing on all cylinders at this point. Mm, like, mm. I, I, that was the last time for me that I felt like X-Men were really, like, oh, fucking... Yeah, that, that's a great fucking era. Other than that, I would say the fucking 70s and 80s with Claremont. Yeah, you know? yeah that's what I'm saying, yeah. Like, yeah, I, I, dude, I don't think this current shit comes close to that, <laughs> you know, frankly. I don't think and this... that's why I said I, I, I enjoy the patch because it makes it it makes me f- remember those. <laughs> yeah, it's tapping into that older enjoyment that well, I used to get. I don't think this Wolverine comes close to Larry Hammer. You know, it doesn't touch him. You know. Yeah. And um, <laughs> the best thing I can say it's an event book that is uneventful. That's I mean that's that's the best. <laughs> and, way and I'm not sure that's the best. <laughs> you know, like a prize they could possibly get. I think it's some of the worst prize. But, you know, hey, dude, very honest review from you. I, I enjoy this issue. What did you give this issue? And then we'll score the event. Let's score both of them together because they're very entwined. I'm going to give this issue an 8. I'm going to give the overall event a 6.5. It's 6 across the board for me. 6s. I think yeah. I think I rated every issue a 5 or a 6 that we've covered. So I'll give it a an average 6 for the entire event. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, now... Was there any more comics this week, Rich? I'm just trying to work it out. Oh, yeah, Venom Lethal Protector. Uh, I said this yeah. was optional. Um, look, I, th- I gave it a 6.5 out of 10, but I actually really enjoyed it. I assume similar to Larry Hummer's, it's like a five-parter because uh, it, it continued the story. Um, yeah, this was fun. Like, David Michelini got, got it done. I would have preferred a slightly better artist. I wasn't a huge fan of the art. It's all right. I mean, because they, he's telling a little bit more of a comical story. Uh, or comedic yeah. story with Humbug and all that. So I, I get that they want, you know, they weren't going to make the R two series. They wanted something a little bit more um, uh, fun. Yeah. Um, you know, because I mean, you are dealing with this this really silly character Humbug. I liked it, um, man. I, I enjoyed that aspect. Yeah, it was a fun little story. And, and again, another book where I kind of felt like this was great classic Venom. Yes. You know, this yeah. is where Venom was nineties. Uh, still a bit new. Still a bit new. Both of them have a massive fucking uh, hate. Uh, uh, what, what they call it? A hater bone. Yeah, for, for, for Spider Man. Spider Man. You know what I mean? Um, uh, I yeah, I just really enjoyed it. I thought it was funny in places. Um, I, I'm very interested to see what's what's continue with this. You know, it's like it's a seven out of ten. Mm. Um, but it's a good seven out of ten. It's like yeah. a, it's like a high seven out of ten that could be like an eight. You know, what yeah, I mean? yeah, like yeah. it's it's seven point five. Let's go seven point five. I was gonna say that's so, called a seven point five, Rich. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not always a fan of the point fives, but oh um, come on, man, you're gonna be a fan of a point five when you're scoring comics. Uh, come on, Burrow. Uh, so here's the thing: I think sometimes point fives get used too much. <laughs> 
well, I use them all the like, time, so I'm taking that yeah, personally. I, <laughs> well, you can if you want. <laughs> you, you know I love a point five. I love a point five. Yeah. Um, I thought, again, yeah. it, was, it was enjoyable. It felt like classic Venom. Yes, which which I mean? is good, which, which is how you want Venom to be, you know? Mm. This, and, and believe you me, that's the Venom they're milking in the movies, you know? Mm. Like yeah, that, that yeah. kind of classic 90s Venom that's just so popular. So, yeah, no, I, I, I gave it a 6.5, but I could be argued to a 7. You gave it a 7.5. I'm, I notice I'm putting in your 0.5, Rich. That's for the record. So, well, again, I couldn't decide between a 7 or the 8. So, yeah, you have that's called a 0.5, my friend. Yeah, um, but yeah. it's very rare that I do the 0.5s, is my point. Yeah, I know. I know it is, Richard, which is why it's nice to catch you out on one at last. Um, now, when I, Dave, when I use it, it means something. It does mean something, Richard. When I use it, it's just about every fucking time, you know. <laughs> I do a comic book review. Um, now, trade of the week. Jerry Conway, Sal Buscema, Spider-Man Tombstone, uh, Spectacular Spider-Man Tombstone, inc- uh, doing his Spectacular Spider-Man run. What I didn't realise and what came up in the interview with Jerry is he was writing two Spider-Man titles at the time, Web of Spider-Man and Spectacular. And his whole concept, which he explains in the interview, but I'm paraphrasing here, was he took, the fringe characters like a, like Robbie Robertson and, and those kind of characters, um, Ben Ulrich, whatever you have pronounce his name, and really built stories around them as well as the supporting cast of Peter. So he took out the normal A supporting cast and and really used it to develop some of the other fringe characters who didn't get much screen time in Amazing. Um, and can I just say, this was an absolute pleasure to read, Richard. I don't know what you thought about this, but... I'd not read any of this before. I Not a single page of this run. I knew from Drew Geraci, uh, Marvel Encyclopedia, Drew Geraci, uh, Inca and writer, who, by the way, has got a new book out in the Demand series, that um, he very highly regarded this collection, and I did own it. I went and dug out my collection. I had a whale of a time on these uh, stories. The only times I felt it... it um, was hampered was when big events like the High Evolutionary got involved. I thought that wasn't a particularly strong... It just wasn't a strong event, and I thought Inferno kind of went on maybe an issue too long. But the basics of this story, like the Punisher in here, um, Tombstone... I didn't know that Tombstone was so connected to Robbie Robertson, and he almost did a, a Batman Bane, Batman backbreak at one point on Robbie Robertson. I love this. What did you think of it, Rich? Um, yeah, overall, I enjoyed it. I only got to about uh, the 250 mark, which okay. was, I think, the last story I read was the Boomerang one. Yes, okay. Um, didn't have any more time because I'm going to have to do the no, full no, weekly. Yeah, so I, did, I didn't have too much time this week to get it all. But I got, I got to 250-ish, like 258 mm. or something like that. That's so, good. Um, a good chunk. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's enjoyable. It's it's classic Spider-Man. Um mm. I do agree with you. The 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 high evolutionary story one was pretty meh, especially with also the Gwen Stacy thing in it. That well, that was an odd reveal. I mean, that was an interesting reveal from a Spider Man perspective that that her clone was never her, basically. Yeah, it, it's, it, that was a weird thing for me where they were oh, like, right, "Oh, okay. it's oh, it's just a person who thinks she's Gwen Stacy." I was like, this- "Wow, all right, I didn't see that coming." Yeah, so that. that and, and I didn't really like those God characters. I, I kind of felt them a little bit annoying. But yeah, maybe was... they were meant to be annoying. I don't know. So, But no, probably my least favorite was that. I did enjoy the 
I enjoyed the Tombstone one. Mm. Um, Tombstone was cool, man. What I find so funny though is they were making he was making such a big fuss about the persuader guy, mm. and then he just and then like Punisher just kills him like pretty much like in his first outing. So I kind of felt like the build up for that character was a little bit way. Like you know what I mean? Like they were really building this persuader. You know they're like drugging him and they like torturing him to like you know uh, uh, get him to help. You know uh, mm. what, what's the guy's called? The, the, the arranger. A ranger, you know what I mean? They're making such a big deal about this character. It was kind of fun, yeah. though. Yeah, but I just kind of felt like I, 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 I felt a little bit cheated, right? Because I was mm. kind of like, oh, you're making this character be quite an important character, you know, mm. this this persuader character, <laughs> and he's just fucking. And one thing I find so fucking hilarious, and this I guess is the difference between I guess maybe Spider Man and Daredevil, right? Mm. Peter doesn't seem to give it really broken up when fucking Punisher murders people. <laughs> no, he's kind he's of like, more oh. like... Oh. He's like, oh, Punny, I can't believe you did that. And I'm like, what the fuck? You're like, you should be cracking his skull. Uh, like, Spider-Man you know, like, Spider has kind of more of a working relationship with him where he's kind of like, oh, you shouldn't do and, that. <laughs> and that's my point. That's so bizarre. Like, it's so bizarre to me that Spider-Man <laughs> is like, oh, Punny, come on. You just shot that guy dead. And I'm like... What the fuck? Well, like, as, a, as, a, as a Punisher and Spider-Man fan, I like it because Spider-Man doesn't get too involved. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed the Boomerang story, except I thought it was a bit lazy how Peter solved the, the mystery or he right. solved the case. Where he just woke up and realized. Yeah. yeah, he just woke up and everything came to me. He goes, oh, my God, I just solved it. I was like, wow, great detective work that you just slept and you solved it in your sleep. Like, it was hey. funny that the issue opened with him going, oh, my God, I know. Yeah. I was like, Batman would be envious yeah. of, like, of, of your, your solving skills there. Um, but, I but like, it was the... fun, though, man. It was good, solid, solid storytelling. And it was fun to see Frank Castle, done by Jerry Conway in the 80s, um, a very sombre Frank Castle. I, I enjoyed that. And it actually wraps up really well. Um, Robbie Robertson um, goes on trial because yeah. as an accessory to murder, and they find him guilty, and they sentence him to 36 months, and he winds up in prison, and the person who comes, who drops a note for him is Tombstone, who's in the next cell. Mm. So that's how it ends. On oh, but, you see, but you see my point about a B story, like yeah. a different thread. Because yeah. that one's not the, – the, the, they cut to and from the Robbie one, right? Yeah. So after they do the Robbie and Tomb, uh, Tombstone thing, right, they um, – he, he only appears sporadically, but it's yes. there to lay the crumbs for this, which obviously is a major story. Yes. But it's not, it's not the main story. It's a, it's a secondary story that you get to enjoy exactly. and get reminded of. And then do, there's a payoff down the road with that, and now there'll be even a bigger payoff because Robbie's going to be in prison with Tombstone. Like exactly, you know. So I, I just think that's that's just better storytelling. That's just good storytelling. Like, though. That, that's a guy who knows what he's doing. Though Jerry Conway, I mean, he knows what he's doing. It's like David Michelini. These guys know what they're doing. Threading stories, they use the uh, continued, you know, format. And I like, I'm like, how can they not be doing that today with this decompressed bullshit? The, the, they've really de when they really decompress you know what I mean like how can you not have running storylines I mean Chris Claremont did it in X-Men for fucking 20 years you know so I think you've always got to be thinking of your next story you've always got to be thinking of the next event or big thing mm. that's going to be happening you know you've got to kind of plan it out you can't just go from from story to story and, and just be telling one singular story for five issues or, mm. or six issues and then another one. Like, no, you've got to be laying breadcrumbs, man. You've got to be leading it. You've got to be leaving a trail. Mm. 
of, of stuff to look forward to. So, no, look, I mean, as I said, overall, you know, it, it was an enjoyable read. It was it was a fun read. Mm. Um, some stories are better than others, obviously, because, I mean, that's just what happens. You know, mm. I mean, not everything is going to be a 9 out of 10. Some will be a, a 7 out of 10 or, a, uh, as David likes to say, a 7.5 out of 10. Yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> um, but, but overall, enjoyable to read. Like, mm. um, um, the only one I did have a bit of a laugh at where I was just like, it's, I, I thought it was a little bit sort of simplistic view is is obviously the uh, the immigration one. Well, that um, was I th- I brought that up with Jerry and I, I said he was doing I I liked it be, only because it was dealing with an issue like he brought up the issue of illegals and going to detention you know well before ICE and them being in the mainstream you know press. Um, I, I enjoyed it. What didn't you like about it? that? It was just too sort of easy. People's views just so simple. Oh, just they should just be let in. Oh, it's so unfair. They should just be allowed in the country. And it's like, sure. but that's not how laws work, bro. Like, mm. maybe have a bit more nuanced conversation of like, you know, like maybe maybe there could be a character that he's complaining to about, it and then that character maybe turns around and says, yes, but you know, Pete, like we can't just let every single person into the country, no matter how bad we feel for them they have you know what i mean there's got to be now maybe they're not perfect maybe we could look at like like but you know what i mean i just felt but again again it's a different time you know what i mean yeah. like this was written in like the when was this in the late 80s late 80s i think you know so i mean that's what like 30 40 years ago like mm. that, that, that you that you've written this so i mean i i, I do think it's See, you've got to be careful if you're going to put stuff in like that because i find i just felt like peter came off as very naive Mm. And simplistic in his worldview of of that sort of but thing. But isn't he though? Like Peter Parker is, you know, I, I don't know, to to me, he is kind of a bit more sort of. It, I thought it was in character for him to sort of be like these guys are having a rough treatment. You know, that's in character with Peter. I thought. Yes, I know, but I mean, I but I guess also like it's not up to Pete to decide what laws to follow and all that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you if you are going around capturing bad guys mm. or villains for breaking the law, mm. I kind of feel like you can't then just turn around and say, "Oh, but they are nice people, so it's okay if they break the law," or mm. we should look the other way. I don't know. Like as I said, I would have preferred. To, I, I'm not saying right or wrong. I would have preferred a more nuanced. Yeah, yeah. Oh, or yeah. I, would have, I would have liked at least one character to push back on a little bit. You know what sure. I mean? Yeah. To, to just challenge him a little bit on his thoughts. But you're writing it probably a little bit more simplistic. It's a bit more fun. You know, you're just trying to tell a, a fun, entertaining story. But other than that, like, everything was fine. As I said, the only story that I thought was pretty meh mm. overall was the high evolutionary one. All the and, others And I, really I think enjoyed. that speaks to something which, which many a writer has talked about at the big two that the events can really disrupt a, a book's momentum. And here I felt they did, because this book wasn't about big events. This was a smaller stakes Spider-Man story, you know? And um, I felt that the events were very big, high-concept events, um, and they really kind of intruded on the story. Now, Jerry Conway's a professional and wrote adequate stories, but they were certainly not the strongest. I overall... As, as a package, dug it, and I really felt I got a lot out of it, and it, you know, I love that old school 80s Spider-Man. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. For me, this was a pleasure. I'm going to give it 8.5 out of 10. Um, what are you giving it, Rich? Yeah, 8 out of 10 seems uh, a, a good score. Yeah, okay, um, so... I, I agree with that score. Yeah. For, for, for an overall package, of the 258 pages I've read, mm. I would say I had a lot more fun and enjoyment than not. Yes, 
And um, did you enjoy my point five that I, I just added on? I guess I have an eight point five. Your point five just fly over my head. Yes, it's like water off the duck's back. Now, okay, so please check out the Jerry Conway interview because uh, we talk about this amongst many other topics: Punisher, Spider Man, Batman, World's Finest, Justice League. It all gets a run. Um, now we've got JM coming up, Rich. We were thinking about doing a couple of JM trades over the next couple of weeks. The next one. Next week is your choice. Uh, and one already. You've got one already, do you? Yeah. What have you got? Creature Commandos. Okay, cool. Creature Commandos. That's something I've never heard of, but that's a good one to pick, Rich. Um, and the week after that, I can tell you Batman Going Sane, which is a four or five parter in Legends of the Dark Knight. Um, and uh, it's about Joker uh, apparently going sane. I think he loses his insanity or something. So I think that'd be an interesting one. So Creature Commandos for next week. And then yeah, Batman now, going sane. It's, it's, it's a fairly lengthy trade, so just read however much you want. Okay, like, cool. All right. Um, is it Marvel or DC, or is it indie work? What is it? No, it's DC. Okay. Cool. Have you not? Are you not familiar with the Creature Commander? I've heard you mention them before, though I've definitely never read them in my life. It's 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 a it's a World War Two army unit that's made up of the um, uh, the 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 monsters the um. The Frankenstein, oh, monster, okay. werewolf, Dracula, or vampire. That actually sounds cool. Um, you know, uh, it's it's kind of like a bit of a Suicide Squad type thing. So they've got a human commander. Really? Um, and he leads this team that is made up of the Universal Monster. That sounds uh, cool, Rich. I've, I, found know, the, I, found, I found the, I found the trade. Um, so yeah, okay, no, definitely. I, I, I'm happy to do that. Great, 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 great idea, Rich. And, um, that's actually really interesting. I think that sounds like a really interesting concept. Um, now, I do want to mention, uh, look again, uh, join the Patreon if you can, patreon.com slash Signal Doom. Support the show, much appreciated. Very appreciated. Um, we're members of the Collective. There's a ton of good stuff coming out on the Collective at the moment. You've got Capes and Lunatics. You've got Into the Night. You've got Last Sons of Krypton with Ray and uh, Connor. Uh, Ghost Spider Groupies. Inner Demons with a bride, Beggy. Um, plenty of stuff. Brian Biggie was saying that his local comic book store, they ordered a ton of Ghost Rider 1 and sold out. They the, the store owner said to Brian that he ordered the same amount of Punisher and he still got quite a lot left over, which I said surprised me because I thought both of those would do well. Um, but Well, the, uh, so, okay, so the problem is, uh, I'm, I'm going to say what I think the, the issue is. Go for it. So there's there was no negative press about the Ghost Rider, yeah, right. So the Ghost Rider was, uh, but the the problem was there was so much talk about changing the skull, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and 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 people were very unhappy with the direction that they were taking, yeah, um, uh, Frank and all that. So I, I I can understand that there's probably a lot of people who had already written it off. Yeah, and I like, agree. Oh, it's, yeah. Not, it's not Punisher. I don't want to see Ninja Punisher, blah, blah, blah. So whether they're right or wrong is irrelevant. I just think that's a reason. Whereas Ghost Rider had no, you know what I mean? There was no oh, negative. I 100% agree with you, Richard. I think, you, I, I think you're 100% right. I, I, I think that this is uh, definitely uh, a sign that Marvel may have misread the moment. And um, Punisher fans who would turn up for Frank in his normal costume were put off by the Ninja Punisher, even though I found the story quite good. Um, yeah, I look, yes, definitely. You, think. you know what they should. You know what they should have done. They should have just marketed as Frank, like infiltrating the, the yeah. head, right? Yeah, 
Yeah. And you don't change the skull. You do not advertise that you're changing the skull. You have that happen in the actual comic where maybe they present him with a new armor or a new yeah. uh, bodysuit that has the new hand skull, like, you know, the, the Punisher hand skull on it. I think the fact that they were advertising this new skull, mm. and especially remember there was a lot of talk because there was all this thing about, like, you know, there was all that negative around the Punisher and cops using the Punisher logo. And so yeah. I think for a lot of people, they thought they were changing the Punisher logo to get it to, you know what I mean? To like mm. change the character. Whereas I think they, it's part of the story. But again, you've got to be very careful how you market things. Mm. Like you have to read the room and go, hey guys, like there's a lot of talk about the skulls. So maybe we don't, we don't go for the angle that we're changing the skull. Maybe don't show any promotional work with the skull. Let's just promote the story. Yeah, yeah, and, no, and, I and the direction. So, I yeah, I mean, again, with, right or wrong, whether it's a good book or not, I just think you, marketing is very powerful. Oh, hundred percent. Uh, look, I think that's the reason for, for this anecdotal evidence. Is yeah, these are all factors, man. And frankly, there wasn't any other press other than that. It was all about the Ninja Punisher and the skull. That was the whole conversation, and a lot of it was negative reaction from Punisher fans, which I can understand. So. We'll watch this space. We'll, we'll do both of the issues when they come up. Um, but look, on that note, I want to say, you know, thank you very much to all the listeners. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to listen to us. So thank you and good night. Good night. Good night.